All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to season nine, episode five of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, I got Dylan D. Berthume. Biebs Bondi is not with us again today. He is currently, I believe, in the air as we record this. He's flying back from BC headed back towards Ontario. Uh, so he will be joining me tomorrow to add in his sleepers, busts, and breakouts. So for now, me and D will be locking down the fort to talk about some Ds. Ds, how's it going? Can't complain, man. Uh, yeah, I think he might be uh, in between flights right now because he just hit up the group chat and he doesn't seem like the type to shell out for Wi-Fi on the plane. So, uh, But yeah, you know, we're missing beefs today. Hopefully uh, we get him back home safely here tonight um and be back for the the goalie podcast wouldn't want to miss that uh and yeah feeling good man happy early birthday to you brock um glad we could squeeze the recording in today so you got your 40th birthday free to yourself tomorrow oh a little no a little, a little premature actually my wife just was headed to bed and she's like happy last day of being 31 you old bastard and i was like oh yeah 32 tomorrow it's just it's getting so, old getting everything old, on the other side 40. of 30 is just uh yeah. It's just a fog to me, so. No doubt, yeah. 40 is coming up quick. I got the kid coming in December. I went stroller shopping today, so it's just like I felt 40. <laughs> it's, it's, it's certainly getting there. Uh, but, yeah, as I mentioned, we're talking about the defenseman today, and this is our fourth of five positional preview episodes. 
Um, again, if this is the first time you've ever listened to the DFO Fantasy Podcast, we always say these are our best episodes of the season, our most inform- informative, the ones you're going to get the most out of uh, and, and increase your chances of winning the championship this year. So if this is your first ever episode, please make sure you go back. We've already recorded the center, the left wing, and the right wing positional previews. We got about four and a half hours of fantasy content there waiting for you. Uh, if you need to, if you can't find them on, on your podcasting app, you can head to dailyfaceoff.com. Head to our draft, get fancy hockey draft kit, and they're in there as well. So be sure to check those out. But without further ado, let's get right into it. We'll start with our top 10 consensus fantasy defenseman. And at number 10, we have John Carlson. Uh, I have Carlson at 10. You also have Carlson at 10. Beeps has him at 11. Uh, We're all a lot higher than the general uh, public is on John Carlson this season. So far, his ADP is 92.7. Uh, which is the 17th defenseman off the board. Um, I've written about John Carlson a couple of times already in the preseason. To me, uh, at that ADP, he seems to be one of the best draft day uh, values to me. I don't really understand why he's going so low. Obviously, he's getting up there in age. Uh, He's 33. He'll be 34 in the middle of the season. Uh, but still an elite offensive producer throughout his career. Uh, he's was limited to 40 games last year. I've taken a slap shot to the head it, around Christmas. Uh, he returned to the lineup in late March. Didn't really miss a beat. Had eight points in 10 games to finish the season. He's still the Capitals number one uh, defenseman. will play gigantic minutes uh, at 5v5 on the power play and on the penalty kill. Um, I, I talked about it a little bit, I think on the left wing episode when we were talking about Ovechkin. You know, the the Capitals certainly aren't the favorites to win the Eastern Conference by any means, but I still think that this team's talented enough uh, for Carlson to have a pretty good season. Uh, He's seventh among blue liners in points per game over the last three years, and he's being drafted as the 17th defenseman off the board. So uh, to me, it seems like a bit of an overreaction to just like obviously him missing 40 games last year uh, to, you know, a freak injury that you don't expect to linger into this year. Obviously, seeing him get back on the ice and playing 10 games to finish out last year was a good sign uh, for his availability heading into this year. Yeah, totally uh, agree. Um, I I do think, you know, it's worth pointing out that that power play isn't quite what it used to be. You could argue that Carlson's absence was, you know, a part of their middling performance last year, but, you know, still after they returned, um, just operating at about a 20.8% clip. So nothing to, you know, write home about in today's day and age, but it's going to be enough given his offensive talent um, and just the amount of usage he gets to, uh, I think anyway, maintain the production that he's uh, flashed over the last few seasons. Uh, you know, I, I don't imagine that I, I think I don't imagine we'll see another season uh, like him that we saw in 2019, 20, where he was kind of, you know, co- comfortably around or above a point per game right around an assist per game. I think those days are gone so long as he's with the Capitals. I just don't think the cast around him is strong enough anymore, but I would agree. I think, you know, um, this is a guy who offers a lot of goal scoring upside from the back end, consistently shooting between six and 8%. Um, which is, you know, nothing to scoff at uh, from a blue liner. You know, they're shooting 40, 50, 60 feet on average. So obviously the shooting percentage is going to come in a lot lower than what we've been talking about so far in the uh, with the elite forwards of the league. So, um, yeah, his shot volume plus the fact that, like I said, he's an above average finisher from the blue line makes him a pretty safe bet to finish around 15 goals. If he gets a little bit fortunate, you know, that could finish up closer to 20. Um, so I'm right with you. I think that uh, there's a whole lot to like about him at his ADP. Um, and I think he is pretty unique with where he's going, uh, for the position that there's really no one else, uh, below or above him that offers the floor nor the upside, um, 
that he's flashed in the past. So, uh, yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing you hit it is just the, the nature of the injury, um, with it being, you know, unfortunate, you know, but a puck to the head, um, fully healed. He's got the clean bill of health. And just as you said, it's not the type of muscle injury that you would uh, be a little bit worried about re-injuring or lingering into this year. So um, the health concern, not really there for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to take him with where he's going right now. Yeah. To me, he's, he's a pretty much lock. If I can get him around 81 there, uh, being able to get him as like your second, possibly your third defenseman, depending on how your draft goes, obviously uh, would be a big benefit, especially if he kind of bounced back to form, as you mentioned, the double-digit double, double digit goal threat every single season, so long as he's healthy. Uh, next is Evan Bouchard coming in at number nine. You're the highest on him at six. I've got him at eight. Biebs has got him at nine. Consensus, he's the 12th defenseman off the board right now, ADP of 73.8. Um, I, I don't recall if it was you or I. Uh, last year, he was a, a, a breakout defenseman for one of us on this show. Um, and it didn't really materialize over the course of the season, right? We were expecting him to potentially take over as the top power play quarterback in Edmonton. It never really happened uh, early in the season. He was even like not playing a ton of minutes early on, and it was really concerning. People were wondering what they needed to do uh, with him. But all in all, the season turned out to be pretty solid. Eight goals, 32 assists, 40 points. Looked a lot like his year uh, year previous. But uh, I know you've got some juicy stats on on his production after the Tyson Berry trade. And I know, I, again, I, I'm not sure who talked about him as a breakout last year, but obviously it was a little bit premature. I know he's your breakout this year. So instead of waiting until the second half of the show, let's talk about uh, what you expect from Evan Bouchard this year, just to give you an idea. Uh, and I, I, I don't mean to step on your toes here if this, if you're going to go through these numbers, but um, in the first half of the year last year, 41 games, he had just three goals, 11 assists, 14 points, and was playing just over 18 minutes a night. So those were uh, some of the stats early on that people were like, okay, this guy's supposed to be great, supposed to break out. The power play was on fire, and he just wasn't really sniffing it. Yeah. Um, you know, you hit the major points. and He was my pick last year for the breakout defenseman. Um, and, you know, his production did balloon once he did get that promotion to the top power play unit. It just took a lot longer. Um, than we would have liked, but uh, the breakout did happen and, and not too many people are really tuned into that just yet. Um, so I'm really here just to tell you how good he was uh, following the Tyson Berry trade last season. He was one of the best uh, defensemen in hockey, at least in terms of fantasy hockey and, and raw production. Following the Tyson Berry trade, Bouchard racked up five goals, 14 assists, 19 points over the Oilers' final 21 games. Um, if you want to nitpick that sample and say, you know, it came in the latter stages of the season when the bottom third of the league was checked out, uh, had shelled off their roster for prospects and picks, then uh, we can introduce you to the marvel that uh, was his 2023 postseason. Uh, in case you forgot, in just 12 games, Evan Bouchard scored four goals on 29 shots to go alongside 13 assists, good for 17 points from the blue line in just 12 postseason games. You really can't fake that kind of production against the best of the best in crunch time in the postseason. We witnessed the true breakout of Evan Bouchard last spring. And like I said, the fantasy community, just a little bit slow to recognize it. He's currently the 12th defenseman off the board on average. He's uh, the number six defenseman on my board. And I'm probably still too low on him, to be honest with you, um, just with, in terms of the upside that uh, Bouchard possesses going into this season. The potential uh, for him on this team, it's off the charts. I expect uh, a massive bump in ice time for him this season. He finished the year averaging 18 minutes and 31 seconds in the regular season. That jumped up to 23 minutes during that big postseason run. So I think that's where we can expect him to settle in around this season. Uh, and given his firm grasp on a spot on what is quite literally the best power play that we've ever seen, I think he'll have no problem replicating the production he flashed 
following the Barry trade last season. So I expect him to be flirting with a point per game all season long. Uh, and I think given his opportunity on that power play unit and his shot volume, I think he has 20 goal upside. Uh, he's missed just one game over the last two seasons as well. So you love to see that availability uh, and averages right around one block and, and hit per game as well. So nothing right home about in terms of those totals, but on top of uh, everything else, he, he gives you a little bit of category coverage there as well. So current ADP of 76.1 uh, has him going in the seventh round on average. And I think we'll be talking about him as a potential top 20 pick next season. I'm loading up on as much Boussard as I can heading into this year and in more competitive leagues where I know um, other people are kind of on the same trail. I'm not going to hesitate to draft him two to three rounds above his ADP. So give me all the Bouchard stocks this year. Yeah, obviously he kind of feels like a player um, similar to like Jack Hughes last year where we knew like what was coming kind of right. But you just kind of don't know exactly how big the return can be. Um, and his his potential feels untapped, right? Like it, it, there's so much room for growth here. You know, if you look at those numbers from the second half of last year, like he could be a top three fantasy defenseman. He could be the number one fantasy defenseman this year. He really could. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's hard to project that and rank him in such a spot, but it really like, no matter where you draft him this year, it almost feels like it's going to be, you know, too late. Like he, he really just has so much untapped potential on that power play. And then you look at that Oilers blue line, not a whole lot to write home about, right? Darnell Nurse, obviously a big minute eater up top. They're probably going to be paired together. But behind those two, Brett Kulak, Cody Cece, likely Philip Broberg, Vincent DeHarnay, uh, Matthias Ekholm as well. You know, there there's some decent pieces there, uh, but there should be you know a lot more minutes for Bouchard to go around here this year. Um, as you said, 23 minutes in the playoffs. That is a lot more like what we should be able to expect. And with that, should follow a breakout without question. Speaking of breakout, it was a, a much later career breakout last year for Eric Carlson. Bit he of a renaissance. A, yes, comes in at a, uh, the number eight overall consensus defenseman for us. I've got him at nine. You also have him at nine. D, uh, B, excuse me, is a little bit higher at five. Uh, consent or ADP 39.1. He's the third defenseman off the board. So obviously uh, a little bit hesitant, uh, a little bit of hesitancy, hesitancy coming from us with Carlson this year after what was just an outstanding year in San Jose. 25 goals, 76 assists, 101 points at age 32. This offseason, he gets traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, where obviously they still have plenty of talent, a, a little bit older talent, I might add, but Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, uh, Brian Rust, you know, Crystal Tang, they're all still there and uh, still very, very productive. Uh, we we did get some word from Mike Sullivan early in training camp that he does anticipate using Eric Carlson and Chris Letang together on the top power play unit. I had talked about Chris Letang um, in our first episode of the year when we were talking about the Carlson trade. I've written about uh, Letang quite a bit. His ADP ha has plummeted as a result of this trade, it seems like. He's currently the 30th defenseman being drafted. 124.3 ADP. Um, it just seems like an overreaction on Carlson. Um, if they're both going to be on the top power play, I think that's great for both of them. Uh, but I would much rather take Latang. Uh, you know, a hundred picks later, ninety picks later after after Carlson's off the board. Uh, Thirty-nine point uh, one is far too rich for me. You know, obviously last year was insane. He did it on a terrible, terrible Sharks team. So uh, you know, you could argue that. You know, he's, he's got the opportunity to 
uh, produced with better players this year, but I just don't know if he's going to be over 25 and a half minutes in this team. They've got a much deeper blue line. So there's a lot of concerns here, right? And like, we haven't even started to talk about the actual concerns, the actual red flags shooting 12% uh, last year. The 11.9 on a shooting percentage was actually fairly low for a guy who had as many assists or as he did 76, but uh, 54 even strength assists last year. I mean, the numbers were outstanding. I don't want to take anything away from what he did last year, but it just doesn't seem like he can replicate it again this year. No, I don't I don't think so either. Um, at least not to that degree, right? I, I think he's in a good spot to kind of build off what he did last year. Um, and, you know, like I said, really kind of um, establish this renaissance that we're talking about and, and, and push forward, keep the momentum moving. Because obviously, you know, there was a massive jump in confidence last year finally seen that home in San Jose. And what was the big difference was Brent Burns was out of town, right? It was now no longer a two headed monster on the power play. It was all flowing through EK 65. Uh, and now he seems to be right back in that same situation in Pittsburgh with the Tang. So I'm with you. I just think there's no way where he gets anywhere close to that kind of assist production this year. Um, you talked about the shooting percentage, 12%. Again, doesn't seem massive, but that is a very, very large number from the blue line. Uh, career average just 6.9%. So if you work that into the 209 shots he took last year, it's a difference of about 10 goals, right? It's it's pretty, pretty big. 25 goals is miraculous from the blue line. 15 goals is what we would say solid for a number one fantasy defenseman, right? It's it's kind of the benchmark of making you a top 12 defenseman. So that's why I have him f- closer to the end of the top 10. I By no means do I think he's going to be an absolute bust this season. Um, but yeah, all that on top of the fact that obviously, you know, he does not throw the body around all that much. The shot's... Uh, 209 and 82 games, you know, uh, I would say that is elite from the blue line, but it's not quite on the same level as, you know, some of the other guys that we're going to talk about that we have ranked above him. Um, and then even the one, you know, I guess, uh, miscellaneous category where he did perform well last season, block shots, he had 90 and 82 games. I think you can expect that to decrease this year. Penguins are just going to see a lot more of the puck at five V five than he saw with the sharks last season. Uh, and the block shots are just naturally going to fall off as a result because the other team isn't going to be shooting the puck as much. So all in all, yeah, I think there's a usage hit coming here. Um, despite the fact that, you know, the, the forward weapons are definitely nicer than what he had to work with in San Jose. I am worried at, you know, how that power play is going to operate. And he's just simply put, not going to get as many secondary assists on the power play, right? The, he was, they didn't have, they didn't score a goal on the power play last season where he didn't touch the puck at some point. Right. And that's, that's just not going to be the case again this year. So uh, yeah, he's just not going to be the center of everything that's going on. And I, I don't think, you know, playing with the likes of Malkin and Crosby at this stage in their careers is going to be enough to, to offset that drop off. So again, I don't think he's going to be a total bust, but I also don't think I'll end up with him uh, in any of my leagues just based off where he's going. Yeah, it, it's, it's just going to be so hard to get to him at that ADP and at that spot, like you really need him to be the elite of the elite because you're passing on a lot of good forwards uh, in that spot to take a guy that that's got a lot of regression likely coming his way. Uh, Quinn Hughes comes in at number seven for us. I'm the highest on him at five. Beebs at seven. You're at eight. Um, obviously, the goal scoring output isn't great. Eight goals in 2022, seven goals in 2023. Not terrible, but you know, just not the double digit like some of the other guys we've already talked about. Uh, you know, we, I think we've said the word 20 plus goals with the last two defense when we talked about one did it last year, one we're expecting to do it uh, this year. But nonetheless, Quinn Hughes has been outstanding in terms of picking up assists, 60 assists in 2022, 69 assists, nice in 2023. Uh, just remarkably consistent. The usage is outstanding. The power play production is phenomenal. 31 power play assists and 32 power play assists the last two seasons. Um, so to me, I, I just, I, I have him at five. I'm the highest on him. It's just a, 
inconsistency thing for me. I, you know, it's, it's hard to find that level of consistency uh, among the blue liners and, you know, 60 assists as, as good as, you know, it is to get a guy who might score 12 goals with 45 assists at 60 assists, it, you know, maybe 75 assists, you know, if everything goes right, uh, it's nothing to scoff at. Uh, last year, he did have a 12.6 on ice shooting percentage, which was the highest of his career. Uh, but I'd expect him to kind of operate around that 11, 12% mark and, and still be able to to put up 60 uh, assists, 60 plus assists this year. There's no real red flags here in Quinn Hughes's game, um, other than the fact that he doesn't shoot a ton, doesn't score a ton, doesn't hit a ton, but he does everything pretty modestly in addition to his massive assist totals. But you're the lowest on him. Obviously, you're not super low. Still have as your eighth best defenseman, but uh, that's right around where he's going. Number eight defenseman off the board at the moment. Current ADP is 55.5. So obviously, uh, you are in you know in agreement with the general public. Just tell us why. Uh, yeah, I think you hit it. He just doesn't quite offer you as much category coverage. Um, yeah, the hits, the block shots aren't going to be there. The shot volume, if it shots a category or point total or point reward in your league. Um, not really going to be there either, at least not on par with the other guys in the top 10 here. Uh, but the assist, the assist production is elite, right? He's a great playmaker from the back end. Um, it's no fluke that he's been over 30 assists on the power play two seasons in a row. That'll only continue this year, I don't doubt. So it just depends on your format. Like, you know, we're in a league that's much more rudimentary in, in the categories that they reward you for, right? It's basically just goals, assists um, with the premium on, on power play points. So in that kind of format where you're not getting any value or you're not, you know, you're not even concerned with the shots, blocks or hit totals. Quinn Hughes definitely moves up the board for me. He'll, he'd be a top four defenseman at that point, just because, you know, the uh, point totals are going to be so gaudy. And like I said, that power play production is just so consistent. So just another one of those guys. And, you know, we've been talking about it all season, but um, we have to do our best to kind of account for all formats in our rankings and, and take into consideration really what the standard categories are uh, and the value that a player can offer to that. So that's why he just fell. Uh, as far as he did for me. But yeah, if you're just looking for raw production uh, and that's what your league rewards you for, uh, Quinn Hughes is going to be a, a great pick for you this year. Yeah, if you look at Yahoo standard, the point scoring, uh, goals are worth six, um, assists are worth four, I believe. So, you know, assists are, are worth, you know, two thirds of what a goal is. And when you're getting up there close to 70, it kind of gets to the point where it's like it doesn't, really matter because how many other guys are really going to get to this point um but obviously in category leagues you're going to need those goals yeah um, i think so that's me, where he really kind of struggles right and his value doesn't translate is just um either like all encompassing or wider encompassing points leagues things that yeah. you know reward you for the miscellaneous stats or just deeper category leagues because at that point he really is just more of a specialist right like he's just going to pad the assist totals for you yeah power um, play points assists, is, 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 and that's pretty yeah much the more categories you add to the league the, the further he's going to fall because other people that do those things better than him are just going to slowly climb up your rankings so again just comes down to your to the type of leagues that you're in you might be in one league where um he should probably be the third or fourth defenseman off the board and you might be in another league where he's barely cracking the top 10 right but i do think having said all that with his adp being the eighth defenseman off the board um, I'll probably get end up with some Quinn Hughes this season. Cause yeah, depending on the format or even in, um, those more, like I said, all encompassing category leagues, he's still a, a decent value with where he's going. Yeah. I, I really like his draft slot at the moment as well. Uh, I actually a couple of plugs here. So again, if you're in leagues, especially if you've got lots of different categories and, and all sorts of things happening, uh, and we can't account for every single category that your league may offer. We do have a customizable rankings tool over at dailyfaceoff.com. If you're on dailyfaceoff.com, there's two ways to get there. One, you can get it through the draft gate, or two, if you go to projections in the, in the nav bar at the top, 
you will get the uh, fantasy hockey customizable rankings. All you got to do is pick if you are in a categories or a points league. Um, if you're in a categories league, simply select the num- the categories that your league accounts for. If you're in a points league, click the categories that your league accounts for and also adjust the weights. Click refresh data. You get a whole brand new set of rankings customized for your league settings. So super, super useful tool. It's 100% free. Be sure to check that out. That is powered by our friends over at 5v5 Hockey. Thank you to them for building that. The other thing I want to mention is I am currently writing a, an article per day, uh, maybe a couple per day, uh, talking about the perfect draft from each spot. So today I wrote the perfect draft from the number one spot, going through ADPs, trying to find the best way to navigate your, your draft so that you go in to the draft with a plan. Um, so if you have the number one overall pick in, in your draft, you already know that. Be, be sure to go check that out. I give you my top pick in each round, uh, but I also give you some other names to give you an alternative route if you don't like the exact way that I went. And the reason I bring this up is that I did have Quinn Hughes as the selection at the three, uh, four turn, sorry, the four, five turn um, going to, you know, my number one defenseman on the team. I, like I said, there, there's the elite of the elite that go quite early in the draft, right? You've got, uh, you know, ADPs of 13, 28, 39, 40 early in the draft. So getting Hughes, uh, you know, a little bit later is a nice way to cement yourself a, a potential top five fantasy defenseman um, at, at a modest ADP price tag. Moving up the list, we've got Miro Heiskanen as our consensus number six defenseman. That's exactly where I've got him ranked at six. Beeb's a little bit lower at five. D, you've got him at, sorry, Beeb's a little bit lower at eight. D, you have him at five. Uh, overall, his ADP is 68. Uh, which makes him the ninth defenseman off the board, which just seems far too low for me after what he did last year. Uh, absolutely monster season, 11 goals, 62 assists, 73 points, 206 shots. The shot volume uh, jumped up pretty considerably. Somehow he started to see even more ice time as well. Miro Heiskanen just seems to be you know, very underappreciated. And I've talked about it several times on our preseason episodes here. I really, really like this Dallas Stars team this year. They're super deep. Their top line is among the best in the league. You've got Wyatt Johnson, Jamie Benn doing a good job in the middle six. Now you've got Tyler Seekin and Matthew Shane uh, together in the middle six. There's a lot to like about this Dallas Stars team. And one of the key cogs is obviously Miro Heiskanen. Um, you know, I think it took a little bit of time to get there for him. It might have taken uh, his, it, his fantasy value a little bit longer to get to where we expected it to be. Uh, you know, it was his fifth year prior to that. His previous career high was just 36 points. So I think people were kind of getting tired of him. Then he explodes. And now people don't believe in him. To me, last year is the true Miro Heiskanen that we're going to see moving forward. It's worth, you know, reminding listeners that he just turned 24 years old, still just entering the prime of his career. Uh, I absolutely love Miro Heiskanen. And again, current ADP of, of 68 is outstanding. So uh, if you miss on Quinn Hughes, I certainly like uh, Miro Heiskanen. And I've got that listed in my article. Uh, you know, if you're missing on Hughes uh, in the fourth round, fifth round, you can certainly fall back uh, to Heiskanen as your number one fantasy defenseman as well. Yeah, I actually, um, I mean, as the rankings indicate, I like Heiskanen a little bit more than Hughes. I just think the goal scoring upside is a little bit higher there. Um, you know, the shot volume just a little bit better. His finishing rates no better than what Quinn Hughes has flashed in the past, but um, getting up above 200 shots a game is something, or for a season, excuse me, is something we haven't seen from Quinn Hughes yet. Um, and it really is the difference between flirting with six or seven goals as, as Hughes has, or the 11 or 12 that 
uh, Heisken at his flash in his best years. So, um, yeah, and to me, he's just a guy that continues improving. And uh, I think people forget, too, and part of why he uh, was a relatively bit of a steal in last year's fantasy drafts is, you know, Klingberg still started that season. Or not Klingberg, sorry. But he didn't start the season on the top power play unit. Um, but uh, by the time, so he started the first six games with just three points. Um, from that point on, is over his final 73 games. Um, missed a couple due to injury, but finished with 70 points over the final 73. No major underlying or no major red flags, excuse me, uh, in those underlying numbers. So yeah, to me, this is just um, a guy that we're still just sleeping on just a little bit. I, I think that uh, he's right on par in terms of his raw production and the assist totals that he can flash with the likes of Quinn Hughes uh, and even Adam Fox, who's ranked a little bit higher than him. Uh, but I do think he just because of his shot volume offers a little bit more goal scoring upside. Uh, than those guys and uh, I like his ADP that much more too so um, yeah I think he's a great value if I was writing that article I probably would have leaned Heiskin over Hughes there but I think they're both great picks similar to Hughes you know leaves a little bit to be desired in the block shots and hits categories but you can easily make up for that uh, in those leagues and in later rounds with some of the defensemen um, that go into the middle to late rounds and can be a bit of a category specialist for you so uh, yeah I like him a lot I, I think he's you know more on par with those other elite uh, defensemen than, than most people give him credit for. Yeah, last year ADP of 98.2, uh, so he has moved up a little bit, 30 spots this year, but still, uh, I don't think that's quite reflective of, of the numbers that he put up last year, nearly a point per game. Moving into the top five, we got Adam Fox. I've got him at four. Biebs also has him at four. You uh, a little bit lower at seven. Um, which is a little bit surprising considering he is currently the number two fantasy defenseman off the board, uh, ADP of 28.5. So you do not agree with the general public in terms of Adam Fox's uh, fantasy ability. Tell us why. Uh, it's just more of the, the same issue that we talked about with Quinn Hughes. He does have a little bit more goal scoring upside, but the shot totals are around the same. Um, and he's just relied on a slightly higher finishing rate, which is just a little bit concerning for me. Um, again, doesn't sound anything incredible, especially when we just talked about Eric Carlson shooting 12%, but it is pretty hard for a defenseman to consistently be finishing around seven, 8% from the blue line, which is where Fox has been the last couple of seasons, just to get to 11 and 12 goals. I think he is a tremendous, you know, two-way hockey player. I think he's one of the best defensemen in the league. Don't get me wrong on that. Um, but yeah, I just like some of the other goal, or I just like the goal scoring upside of the other guys that I have ranked around him and the category coverage you get from them. Um, and just maybe I'm baking the ADP into it a little bit here too. Uh, I think I'm a little bit guilty of that because it's just such a turnoff for me. I, I can't justify taking him that early um, when he really is in terms of a fantasy player at the end of the day, a little bit one dimensional. If you've got block shots in your league, he can help make up for it a bit there um, with all the penalty killing time that he has and uh, the amount of defense zone starts that he sees. I've uh, been up above 120 block shots the last two years. So that can help. Uh, certainly. And I, I think it, it puts him, that's what puts him ahead of, of Quinn Hughes, but I'm just a little bit worried about his goal scoring totals uh, and the shaky shot volume that he's kind of relied on to get there. Uh, and it's just not his job to shoot on that power play, right? It's the last resort when they don't cover him and he's left wide open uh, and the wings are completely tied up. That's when he's throwing it on the net. So yeah, it's gonna be a lot of shots um, from 40, 50 feet. And I just think that's going to catch up with him eventually. And even if it's a drop off of two to 3%, uh, Again, that's going to get his goal totals more in line with the, the Quinn Hughes and the Miro Heiskin, and who I like just a little bit more uh, in terms of the all-around coverage and the fantasy hockey ability. But again, don't get me wrong. I think Adam Fox, one of the one of the best players in the league, but uh, I think he's just a little bit one-dimensional when it comes to fantasy hockey. 
Yeah, it, again, a little bit difficult to justify that ADP. If you take a look at the couple forwards that you'd have to pass on to get him, Tim Stutzel, Sebastian Aho, Artemi Panarin, uh, Panarin, you know, Kyle Connor, that guy we all like a lot. A little too rich for me. I, I, I absolutely love Adam Fox as well. You watch the Rangers games every night, and he, he, he sticks out. Uh, just an absolute stud. But, yeah, from a fantasy hockey perspective, I mean, I'm a little bit higher uh, on him than, than you are. But, um, you know, still, I, I don't think I got him at four. He's the second defenseman off the board. So, at that point, uh, I'm still probably not going to end up with a whole lot of Adam Fox. But it is worth noting, uh, double-digit goals in each of the last two seasons, 60-plus assists in each of the last two seasons, 74 and 72 points uh, total. So, exact same as Quinn Hughes basically just they're the same player except Adam Fox is, is just marginally better at scoring goals um but yeah remarkably consistent you know what you're getting with those guys but uh where Quinn Hughes comes about you know 20 picks later I feel a little bit better um about kind of locking that in if, if you're talking about them being that similar what's the point in wasting the you know the second third round pick on him when you can get the same player you know a few rounds later yeah, and he's just on an island there by himself, right? Like you do have to reach for him if if you want to grab him because um just in terms of the overall ADP, you got Kill McCarr going at the back of the, the first round, um, and then Fox at, at the back of the second round, and then there's no one else until Carlson at 39. Um, so it's just it's a huge uh jump that you have to make because you're most likely going to be the only player or, or the only fantasy manager in your league sacrificing you know a high-end goaltender or a top tier forward in the second round to add adam fox to your roster so yeah it's i just don't think there's any real value to be had there at that draft position i think which he certainly could at his age he would need to take a massive step forward in shot volume though uh to come anywhere close to justifying that he's just not as dynamic offensively when it comes to putting the puck in the net um as you know, Kale McCart, who's really who he's um, competing with around that ADP. So uh, for me, yeah, that it's it's a lot to do with ADP and just the fact that you're not getting a whole lot else outside of the assists. Yeah, it feels like a name value thing more than anything here. Obviously, the production's been solid, but he's not Kale McCarr. Uh Okay, number four on the list, we've got Dougie Hamilton. I've got him at seven. Biebs has him all the way up at three. You've got him right there at four. He's currently going... Uh, ADP of 50.4, which makes him the sixth defenseman off the board. We obviously are big fans of what's going on in New Jersey. We all think that that team is going to continue to score a lot of goals. I believe on the last episode, uh, Beeb said that he thinks that they're going to score the most goals in the NHL this season. And obviously, Dougie Hamilton uh, is going to have a lot to do with it. uh, He was one of, I think he was my sleeper last year, which is hilarious because I had him as a sleeper. You had Eric Carlson as a sleeper, and these two just went absolutely nuclear. So hopefully you got your hands on those two just to remind you guys of where they were being drafted uh eric carlson was being drafted at 141.4 uh last year had 100 plus points uh dougie hamilton was being drafted at 103.7 he ended up scoring 22 goals with 52 assists for 74 points uh in 82 games just an absolutely outstanding season from dougie 275 shots was a career high he also shot 8%, which was above his career high. Uh, so, yeah, like, I don't know if he's going to score over 20 again this year, but it's certainly plausible. Obviously, with the amount of goals that that team's going to score, you'd expect the assist totals to remain strong. Uh, in the upper 50s, he could even get to 60, uh, you know, knowing how good that this this guy is. Um, I guess the one concern you could, you could state, if there was one, is that Luke Hughes is now in New Jersey. Is Luke Hughes a threat? Uh, to Dougie Hamilton's power play position. 
probably not in year one. I'm not that concerned about it. So, um, you know, I, I think Luke Hughes is a tremendous talent. I think he's going to be great, but I still think that this is uh, Dougie Hamilton's PP1. He's going to be playing absolutely ginormous minutes. He played 21 uh, 46 a season ago. So I have no real concerns across the board with Dougie. As we said, one of the best, uh, one of the best fantasy defensemen for years now. Uh, obviously, uh, last year was just a total anomaly in terms of ADP, uh, but still finds himself as a pretty nice draft day value at the moment, going uh, 50th uh, overall. What do you think about Dougie? Big Dougie fan. Um, you know, the one thing that was really lacking from his game and uh, up until last season was, you know, his assist totals. Uh, we're just not on par with the elite fantasy defenseman uh, previous career high of 37 assists. But yeah, as you mentioned, he smashed that last year up to 52 assists. Um, and I think it really is just a product of that team taking such a big step forward and the offensive weapons that they um, added and developed last season. Um, and to go on top of the fact that, you know, he was finally given a full run on what was a, a very solid power play unit that really hadn't been the case at any of the stops uh, in his previous career. It was either on maybe some middling units or, you know, in uh, Carolina, he was battling D'Angelo for the top power play. Th- so he, he just never had that full run with, you know, what was uh, a top top 15 power play unit last season um, and really just reaped the benefits of it. Saw a big jump in uh, power play assists up to 20. Um, and then the, the 5v5 play, as we know from the Devils, was fantastic as well. So um, I think those assist totals, you know, 52 may have been a little bit fortunate to get back there, but it's a team that, again, we just expect to continue to improve um, heading into this season. And I think you'll have no problem assuming he stays healthy, finishing around 45 assists. Uh, and then you just add that on to the fact that he is uh, one of, you know, yeah, certainly minus, you know, the top one or two guys, the most reliable goal scorers from the back end in fantasy hockey. And that's thanks to the gaudy shot volume, right? Um, 275 shots, as you said last year. So just a very uh, consistent and reliable way uh, to create production. I think he is still a very good value with where he's going. Um, And uh, yeah, big on Dougie again this year. Uh, I don't think you can be as high on the Devils as we are and not be in love with their number one power play defenseman uh, who shoots the puck as much as anyone uh, in the league from the blue line. Yeah, we wouldn't be making a whole lot of sense if we were just like, I love Jack Hughes and and Nico Heischer and Dougie though, not feeling it. Um, number three on the list is Roman Yossi. I am the highest on him at two. You've got him at three. Biebs is down at six. Overall, uh, his ADP is 49.7, which makes him the fifth defenseman off the board. Uh, absolutely love Roman Yossi. I've been a huge fan, uh, for a long time. I've had him in fantasy pretty much every year. I try to get as much Roman Yossi because I just still don't think this guy gets the respect he deserves. I think every year my fantasy rankings over at dailyfaceoff.com have him much higher uh, than his ADP. It's probably, if you went back and looked at all of my rankings and all of the ADPs, I think he would be the only player that's always way over ADP. Last year, another good year, 18 goals, 41 assists, 59 points in 67 games. Was on pace for 72 points over 82 games. So another really, really good season from him. Obviously not the 96 points we saw in the year previous when he should have won the Norris Trophy, but whatever. Um, I mean, the double-digit goals every single year, right? Like, he's a he's a 20-goal threat, which is rare. Uh, he's got, you know, he, he flashed 73 assists upside, but you can reasonably expect 50 assists almost every single year. Um, I don't think the Predators are quite as bad as people think either. I think that they're still a pretty decent team. Still got Philip Forsberg. I think bringing Ryan O'Reilly was a nice play. Uh, Gus Nyquist still got some game. I've already talked about my love for, for Tommy Novak. I think they got some good players in Luke Evangelista, 
uh, Philip Tomasino, Cody Glass. I could go on and on. I, I think this is a pretty solid team. I'm not really concerned about the addition of Tyson Berry. It didn't seem to matter uh, much to Yossi a season ago. So um, this guy's still going to play monster minutes. He's still going to be on the top power play unit uh, on a team that I think people you know don't think is going to be very good. I don't think they're going to be you know a Stanley Cup team, but I still think that they they're going to challenge for a playoff spot. And uh, he'll be more than serviceable in fantasy. So that's why I've got him as my number two fantasy defenseman. You're right behind me at three. So you're obviously in agreement. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think, uh, you know, he's as reliable of a goal scorer as we've seen, as Dougie's proven to be. And he has more assist upside, right? Like um, maybe not a season ago, as you said, finished with 41 and 67 games. Um, but I think you can chalk that up to one, his own injury uh, issues, but also uh, the team around him as well. Philip Forsberg missing. Uh, a huge chunk of the season, I, I think was a pretty big part of that as well. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see him top, you know, the 73 point assists he had a couple of seasons ago. That was kind of all the stars aligning perfectly uh, in terms of himself, Forsberg, Duchesne, all just enjoying career seasons at the same time. Right. Um, and all of them being just a little bit fortunate in their shooting percentage as well. Uh, I think they shot the highest clip of any team in the league that year. Um, so yeah, I don't really think or anticipate him getting anywhere back or, or close to that this year. I think if we did, he'd probably be our number one defenseman off the board just because the goal scoring uh, is so darn reliable. Uh, you're getting some great category coverage uh, as well. He's a, a monster when it comes to block shots, 146 last season in just 67 games uh, to go along with the gaudy shot totals for himself. So yeah, there's a whole lot to love with Roman Yossi, just super, super reliable um and has somehow you know slipped again headed into the season and i i still think even going a, a, as high as he is i, I still think he's uh, a great value and uh you know if you're mapping out your draft getting yossi in the fourth or fifth round uh is a pretty great way to go about it just because it allows you to really you know stock or stack your roster with some elite forwards maybe a high-end goaltender and still get what we think could potentially be the number one defenseman in fantasy hockey come season's end uh, around 50th overall. So I think he's still a great steal with where he's going this year. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, the one thing that um, I did when I was writing my, my kind of perfect draft post was I looked at the ADPs, but like, like we are right now ranking them kind of by position. Cause yeah, like his ADP is 48, but he's probably like the actual 42nd highest ADP. So he's probably going to go a little bit closer uh, to the front end of that round than, than the end of the fourth, but nonetheless, um, a fourth round pick for a guy that's probably going to score 20 plus goals. Um, it, it is, is certainly helpful, especially if he's going to, you know, rack up 50 assists again, but yeah, I agree. Uh, probably not going to see 73 assists, 96 points out of him again, which makes the fact that he didn't win the Norris that year, all the more infuriating, like Kale McCarr <laughs> is going to have so many more years ahead of him to get that, get that done. Um, needed to give that to Yossi. Um, I did not, did not have futures on him that year. Um, Number two, <laughs> Rasmus Dahlin. You and Beebs both have him at two. I've got him at three. He is the consensus number two fantasy defenseman. On ADP, though, he's going 40th right on the nose, which makes him the fourth uh, defenseman off the board. Not just Rasmus Dahlin. We saw the entire Buffalo Sabres team uh, take a step forward last year. We anticipate that they're probably going to take another step forward this year. We really think that you know the likes of Tage Thompson is a star that's here to stay. We've already talked about Dylan Cousins' ability uh, to be a breakthrough player this year. And Dalene was great last year. 73 points, 15 goals, 58 assists. I mean, I don't know what more you want. The numbers look the almost the exact same as the year previous. Double-digit goals. Uh, the shot volume increased, you know, a, a little bit, which was nice to see. About 34 more shots. 
Uh, shot volume, uh, sorry, shooting percentage remained the same, 7.4 and 7.6. So all good things. The only thing a little bit high was the 12.4 on a shooting percentage. But I think, like we said, that's a talented team. They should be able to manage something around there. It's nothing that screams regression. I think that Ross Mistalene certainly is, is a guy that is going to be uh, here to stay, right? Like this is the type of production that we can anticipate year in and year out. 15 goals, 60 assists. Like that's just, that's who Ross Mistalene is now. And it's crazy that he's still only 23 years old. Uh, I just, I love Ross Mistalene's game. It is just so, so incredible. Um, and, and he's part of the reason why when we were talking about the, the Atlantic division uh, in our first episode and who could make the playoffs out of that division, like the Senators are obviously a team that's up and coming and the Sabres team is in the same boat. And Ross Mistalene, more than anybody on that team is probably the reason why. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think having him ranked number two, which I do, is a bit of a bet on upside, right? Like if you look at uh, past performance, certainly Yossi has the edge. Um, but yeah, this is, as you said, a guy that's still 23. Um, we talked about, you know, the normal age curve in terms of raw production in last episode. Um, and yeah, it's a guy that we still expect to be on the right side of that curve. He could very well still be improving. I, I think his best years are still ahead of him, which is crazy to say after the year he had last year. Um, it's kind of similar to Adam Fox. He does shoot the puck more, but he's been at around seven, seven and a half percent each of the last two seasons to get to 13 and 15 goals. I think we'll need to see that shot volume continue to improve just as it has each of the last few seasons. Uh, and I do think that'll happen again, especially as he continues, uh, to roll into the prime of his career. That team should continue to get better, especially at five V five, uh, which again, should just afford him more shooting opportunities and more time in the offensive zone should continue just to eat minutes. Uh, should be a very dangerous power play that he's going to be quarterbacking. There's really just no reason not to like Rasmus Dahlin. And I think if you want to take a swing on upside, um, this is, this is the guy to go after. This is the guy to reach for a little bit because with where he's going, like, I think if you want to take a defenseman in the second round uh, around where Fox is going, I would, like I said, skip right over Fox. And I, I would reach for Dahlin just because I think uh, he has that much more upside and, could potentially fill the net to a degree that we haven't seen from him before. Um, so yeah, he would be the guy that I would, wouldn't hesitate to reach for uh, again, maybe about a round or two ahead of where he's going, just because I think he can really um, help bridge that gap between Makar and the rest of the, the fantasy blue liners. Yeah. The goal scoring upside is great. You know, he like, if you look at the ADPs, like you could realistically have a team uh, that has both, Rossmus Dahlin at 40 and uh, Evan Bouchard around 73 as your one-two punch on the blue line. And then you can just punt the other two defensemen down the line because these two could absolutely explode and be two guys that are, are massive draft day steals. So uh, I, I love Dahlin for sure. I'm right there with you. I'm going to try to, I, I feel like the good news is the one league that we're in together is a dynasty league where everybody's kind of already on a team. So we don't have to, you know, hide our points and, and, and fight too much. Uh, for these guys but yeah like Darlene's obviously a guy that seems to be just scratching the surface and and what could come here in in this uh 2024 season could be great and and I think that him and, and Bouchard uh probably have the two highest ceilings of this top 10 um you know save for Kale McCarr would you agree yeah a hundred percent like I said I, I think uh Darlene for me and and Bouchard yeah I, I would agree are the two that I think could really help bridge the gap between Makar and, and the rest of them and um, offer some similar stat lines in, in terms of the the all-around category coverage that Makar gives you. Kale Makar, 
Number one, not surprising. I've got him at one. Beeps has him at one. You have him at one. ADP's 13.4. Means he's the number one defenseman off the board. Um, In my opinion, I think he's a bit of a steal this year. Yeah, I think the one thing with Makar has obviously just been the the health, right? The injuries have been a factor. Played just 60 games last year. The year previous, he he only missed five, which was good. Prior to that, uh, missed 11, 11 games or, or 12 games the year before. So, uh, yeah, like he's missed double-digit games in three out of four years, and I think that that's the biggest, you know, bugaboo with Kale Makar. Outside of that, the production has just been uh, off the charts, right? Just incredible stuff. Last year, 17 goals, 49 assists, 66 points in 60 games. Uh, over a point per game uh, for the second straight season in 2021, he was a point per game right on the nose. So uh, he's been oper- operating comfortably uh, above a point per game for the last three seasons. Again, the injuries are a concern. But if you extrapolate his numbers over the last three seasons, he's at 1.08 points per game over an 82-game slate that's 88 points so this is a guy uh that's going to be you know we talked about how we do not expect eric carlson to be able to replicate that 100 points we do not expect roman yossi to ever get back around 90 points if kale mccarr stays healthy he's a 90 point defenseman and for fun you know like yes could ross mistalin get there could some of these other guys get there sure it's possible but like all mccarr has to do is stay healthy to get there where they all need a little bit more to go right. So still, without question, the number one fantasy defenseman. It's just a matter of if he can stay healthy. And at the 12, you know, the one-two turn, if you're taking, uh, you can get like Tage Thompson and him. Like if, if he stays healthy, man, you're off You're off and running. Yeah, that's why I think this ADP is just too low. I think getting him at the turn is like a dream in terms of building a roster. Like um, like that was the one caveat with with him last year, right? You had to take him in the middle of the first round. Um, and really give up on any um, elite top tier talent up front in order to have what should have been the best fantasy uh, defenseman on your team. And obviously injuries and Eric Carlson had other plans, but um, yeah, I think with where he's going, like it's just too low for me. If I was sitting on the turn, I think it's a great place to be this year in redraft, assuming he actually gets there or even close to it, like the 10th, 11th spot um, getting Makar and then getting another top 15 player just feels a little bit unfair. Um and yeah, I, I really think that the two ends are probably the best spots to be on the draft this year. If I can't get McDavid in the first round, give him a car at the back of the first um, with the ability to pair him with the like of, as you said, a Tage Thompson, maybe a Jack Hughes, um, some of the other big name forwards going around that spot. So I, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't think I'm alone in loving Kale McCarr and the upside that he offers your fantasy team. But um, I really do think even just the per game production that we saw of him last year is going to be his floor for the next few seasons. We know how banged up not only he was, but the avalanche were throughout the course of last season and the games that Ranton, McKinnon and Landis Cog missed. Um, and the fact that, you know, that was a big story. They didn't really have anyone to step in and fill in those roles like they did in the last few years. They didn't have the depth on the second line uh, that they did when they won the cup. And so those injuries really hurt the production of the surrounding cast that much more. So I, again, I expect his assist totals to climb back up. Uh, I do think he's just a different breed in terms of conversion from the back end. I think his ability as a skater is just so unique and he's able to get so much more forward. Um, and his average, you know, shot location is that much closer than, um, the rest of the league or the rest of his peers because of it. Um, and I, so I feel better about him maintaining the 10.1% shooting percentage that he has to this point in his career. I think he's different. I think he's special. Um, and I think, like I said, it is a dream to get this guy at the back of the first round. Um, and if he does fall to you at the turn, uh, I think you're you're going to be set up pretty pretty nicely this year. Yeah, like if you look at the ADPs, like there is going to be leaks that, especially in the first round, basically follow those ADPs 
uh, like gospel. And like, you could reasonably like people are going to start drafts with Jack Hughes and Kale McCarr. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that's broken. Like the only thing better than that is getting Connor McDavid. Like <laughs> if you can start with those two at 12, 13 and like, no one ever wants 12, right? Like you, you pull the P out of the thing or whatever random num name generator. And you're like, Oh, this is rigged. I got 12. Not this year, man. Like that is where you need to be. Uh, if, if you can start that draft, with Jack Hughes and Kale McCarr. My, oh my. You know, I might just have to write the perfect fantasy draft from the 12 spot tomorrow instead of the two, just so I get it out of the way, because I'm just so mm-hmm. excited about it. Even like 10-team leagues, uh, which are pretty common as well, you could realistically walk away with the Rant and McCarr stack uh, off that 110 spot, which, yeah, there's a... I, it's funny talking to a guy that, about a guy that's going 13th overall as a, as a steal, but I, I really do think it's just a great spot to be this year if Makar actually does slide to the back of the first round. And if he doesn't, uh, there's going to be, you know, obviously one more big name forward for you there too. So I think if you're kind of in the middle, obviously no one's going to give up that 1-1 one, one spot. You're not going to be able to trade up there. I would definitely be trying to trade back um, as far as I can. You know, you guys will know your home leagues. Uh, better than we do and in terms of uh, if you think everyone else will kind of be sleeping on him a little bit and let him drop out of the first round so maybe played a little safe go for that nine or ten spot uh, instead of all the way back to the 12 but if like i said if you can get him on the turn um that's probably going to be the second best setup you could possibly get as to, to as you said just getting mcdavid at the one one yeah and i think he's got a really good like reasonable chance of falling to that spot in almost every draft but like if you look at the names above him mcdavid dreisaitl matthews mckinnon kachuk passionac hughes randon kucherov robertson like those are 10 studs that people aren't going to want to pass on for a guy that has been banged up so i think the likelihood of him falling to at least 11 in, in almost every draft is pretty high uh because yeah like you know he he's 11 on my list and that's mostly just because of the injuries but like if we could guarantee everyone's playing 82 games, he's skyrocketing. And as you mentioned, ADP last year was pretty rich. Uh, it was 5.5. So it's nearly doubled this year. Uh, it's doubled, more than doubled uh, for this season. So uh, people have obviously seen the injuries and are a little bit concerned. I do also think that there were a, th- a few breakthroughs last year in terms of forward that have jumped up into the first round. Uh, you know, the Hughes, the Robertson, Makacha, um, that have made things a little bit deeper at the top. So a um, couple factors there, but yeah, Kale McCarr, Certainly an absolute stub. We don't need to talk. It's probably the longest we've ever talked about Kevin McCarr on this podcast. Because like usually we don't get to talk about how good these guys, <laughs> these other guys are. It's normally like pick up this guy. He's fourteen percent owned. Well, we normally don't have a reason to talk him up because he's yeah getting drafted in the middle of the first round, right? But yeah, I do think like everything you pointed out on top of the fact that we saw some massive years from guys like Eric Carlson, uh, guys like Dougie, some other guys that kind of uh, really on paper, especially if you're just looking at the raw totals, had better years than McCarr last year. And I think that's kind of uh, convoluted some people's opinions into thinking that, uh, you know, he's in a top tier, but he might not be in a tier on on his own still. Completely disagree. I think he is another beast. He's on another level uh, when compared to his peers. So, uh, yeah, I I think he's a steal with where he's going. Yeah. And like we talked about him missing time last year, 60 games, still put up 66 points. The amount of defensemen we've already talked about today on today's episode is like, yeah, he had a great year last year, 60 points. It's like, that's their ceiling. This is his floor. Uh, you know, the sky's the limit. Uh, speaking of the top defensemen in the NHL, it's time for the Betway bet of the day. Let's take a look at the Norris Trophy market. I was obviously talking about Norris Trophy futures in Roman Yossi from two years ago. So let's take another pick here. I'm not going to go through every single odd. You can go to Betway uh to see all those odds if you need to but here are some of the top 10 kale mccarr is obviously the favorite 
plus 175. Adam Fox at plus 600. Miro Heiskanen plus 850. Quinn Hughes plus 900. Rosmus Dahlin plus 1,000. Roman Yossi plus 1,100. Dougie Hamilton plus 14. Eric Carlson plus 14. And Charlie McAvoy plus 15. Um, who is your favorite value bet here? You know, I might as well just go first just because I didn't even mention him. He's way down the list. We talked about Evan Bouchard's ability to potentially skyrocket this year. Um, you know, he could really be a guy who could put up 50 points or sorry, 90 points this year and be like that, that Roman Yossi that actually challenges Kale McCarr. Uh, but without the voter fatigue of winning a Norris trophy two years prior. So he comes in at plus 3,500, 35 to one, I think is a pretty good bet. Uh, again, it's all about the value. Do I think he's likely to win the Norris trophy? Probably not. But if he goes nuclear on that power play and puts up 25 goals and 70 assists, like we saw from Yo- Roman Yossi a couple years ago on a much less power, much lesser power play. Uh, I think there's definitely a, a road uh, to the Norris trophy here uh, for Evan Bouchard. The other name that we, sticks out to me is Ross Mistalid uh, at plus a thousand. Like we said, these are the two guys that we think that that can really uh, take off this year. Um, and he's just the fifth best odds to win the Norris Trophy again. If he has a, a monster offensive season, if McCarr potentially runs into another injury, uh, something like that, like then that, like obviously, like his odds would improve overnight. So right now, getting in this into this market early is a good idea, in my opinion. So I like plus eleven, uh, plus a thousand Rosmus Dahlin, and also plus thirty five hundred Evan Bouchard. Who are you looking at? Yeah, I think those are two great picks. Um, you know, we've seen in recent years, uh, I think the bias towards offensive defensemen has kind of been removed with the Norris Trophy. And um, certainly Eric Carlson's, uh, you know, uh, negative performance in terms of defensive metrics last year. Um, the fact that he still won the Norris because he was so dominant offensively, I think speaks to that. So, yeah, I think those are two great picks because as we talked about, it, you know, it might take him a car injury, but that has been happening uh, over the last few seasons. And, I, you know, whoever ends up leading the NHL in points and whoever has the best offensive performance we know is going to have a really good shot at taking home the Norris. Um, it's happened each of the last few seasons. And I do expect that trend just to continue on. Um, and I, like I said, I think that bias has just been removed. Whereas, you know, a guy like Carlson might've been robbed of a couple uh, Norris trophies earlier in his career um, due to that, that same uh, stigma. So I think that's gone. And I'm, I'm totally with you that, um, that those guys who we think could have breakout seasons offensively are, are really good value bets to target. The other one that I think is, um, uh, eye-catching and maybe uh, just obviously a little bit more likely is Roman Yossi at, at plus 1100. Uh, again, I don't want to talk too much about Yossi because we just uh, waxed lyrically about him, but uh, I agree with you. I think he was a little bit robbed of uh, his Norris uh, trophy campaign a couple of seasons ago, 23 goals, 73 assists at uh, 96 points. I, you know, I think this is a guy that deserves to have more than one Norris trophy at this point in his career. Um, and I do think that if he has, um, another season uh, along the lines of what he's capable of. Again, don't think 73 assists are there, but I think if he's healthy and he returns somewhere along a 20 goal, 60 assist stat line, and he's within a shout or a similar um, or, you know, produces a similar stat line to the likes of McCarr and the other top guys. We do, we have seen those types of narratives kind of come up in the past where, um, you know, this is a writer's award and they have the emotion plays into it. And we've seen them kind of have these makeup or career achievement awards where it seems like a guy, didn't quite necessarily have the best season on paper, um, but they felt like he was maybe due for the past performances. And uh, yeah, you got to kind of lean into that a little bit when you're looking at these futures. Cause like I said, there's not, there's not hard data that's uh, concluding these picks. Like these are uh, writer um, 
these are writer influenced awards. So the narrative is going to play a big part. Uh, and Hedman's the big one from a couple of years ago that jumps out, right? Maybe didn't have uh, the best campaign on paper, but on paper, excuse me, but it felt more of kind of like a, uh, a lifetime achievement award and uh, when he took it home in 2718. So um, yeah, for all those reasons and more, I think in terms of the fact that you're getting the, uh, what is it? The six best odds for him at, at plus 1100. Um, I think Yossi's a, a pretty nice value bet there too. Uh, and I think his goal scoring is really going to be what, what sets him apart and gives him a, a really legitimate shot at it. If we're talking about lifetime achievement awards, uh, I mean, you can go even further down the list. Maybe a guy like Chris Letang at plus 10,000. 100 to 1, Chris Letang, you never know, right? I mean, obviously he's had some health scares in, in years previous, and and maybe uh, if he has an outstanding year this year, he'd be a guy. Like, I mean, just at the odds, right? Like, I'm just trying like, to, you know, yeah. I'm just trying to envision, like, the the narrative that would need to shape around that, right? Like, if, for him to have, I feel like you would need a Carlson injury, right? Like, Carlson injury, like but the power play doesn't miss a beat. He's producing, or you know, as good or, or better than we've ever seen out of him um and really you know just making up that, that i think that's what it would take i don't because yeah. i even if he has like you know a, a career year and drastically outperforms his ex- expectations heading into the year i think if carlson's anywhere close to his point totals you know it's going to be mm-hmm. too easy for them to kind of attribute carlson's presence to um that that jump in performance for the tank so i like that one but i i think it's probably you need more of like a carlson injury or maybe carlson just completely falls off the wagon this year and all the puck luck goes back the other way uh, and Latang makes up for it and recaptures that number one spot. I think that's kind of what you have to bank on, but uh, it doesn't feel like a, you know the safest bet. But again, that's why he's going at hundred to one. Yeah, hundred to one. I'll you know I'll I'll place a five dollar, uh, maybe a toonie on him. Put a toonie on him. See what happens. Uh, anyways, that was the Betway bet of the day. Please play responsibly. Must be nineteen years of age or older. That is also going to do it for the first half of the show. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we are going to talk about sleepers, busts, and breakouts at the defenseman position. Minus one breakout because, D, you already got to talk about Evan Bouchard. And and I got to talk about Evan Bouchard quite a bit. So enjoy the quick break. We'll see you guys back here shortly. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 5 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, brought to you by Betway, a very Andre Burakovsky episode of the podcast. Not a whole lot of options at 95, so Burakovsky saving our bacon a little bit there. Um, we are going to get into the second half of the show now. You guys are probably used to the format by now. Uh, fourth positional preview episode here. We're going to talk about some sleepers, some busts, some breakouts, and then we're going to send everyone on their merry way. Uh, we are going to hear from Beebs. He's going to be spiced in. Hasn't recorded them yet, so we won't be able to give you you know, our super in-depth reactions and opinions on uh, his picks himself, but we know Beebs will knock it out of the park all on his own. He's a big boy. Um, but before we get to Beebs, we're going to talk about uh, a couple sleepers of our own. Uh, Brock, let's start with you. Who are, do you think the fantasy community is sleeping on uh, on the blue line heading into the 23-24 NHL season? National Predators, Matt Duchesne, also 95. Uh, but yeah, for Three me, tracks. sleeper defenseman is Zach Rowenski. I mentioned him, I think, on the first episode uh, of the season. We were talking about some of the offseason moves that they made. And, and one of their offseason moves kind of feels like they're bringing back Zach Rowenski. Uh, because he only appeared in 13 games last year. And in those 13 games, he was his typical productive self. Three goals, five assists, eight points. Doing just Zacharensky things. Um, you know, dating back to when he broke into the NHL in 2017 as a 19-year-old, uh, he scores double-digit goals pretty much every single season. The assist totals are, are usually fairly modest. Career high uh, in 2022 of 37. But that came in just 68 games. So, We've talked about the Blue Jackets quite a bit, right? We all like Patrick Laine's draft day value. We all like uh, Johnny Gaudreau's draft day value. We think that there's some bounce back potential for that team as a whole. And a lot of it has to do uh, with Zach Rowenski. So, you know, the assist totals aren't going to be elite like some of those guys at the top end of the draft. Uh, but the, the goal totals are. And, and where he's going right now, current ADP of 159.5, which uh, is the 14th round, is just far too late. I've got him ranked 94th. Uh, which is 65 and a half spots earlier than his ADP. Um, he is by far the greatest discrepancy between my ranking and ADP at the moment. And to me, Zacharwenski is, is a clear source of double-digit goals. Um, but if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind double-dipping here because I had a difficult time trying to pick between these two guys. And to me, they're quite similar. The other one, I've written about him a bunch over at dailyfaceoff.com. So if you've read my content instead of just listens to it, uh, you would already have read about this guy several times, but Shea Theodore is also an absolute steal right now. Uh, ADP of 142.9. I actually have him ranked 95th, so one spot behind Rowenski. Uh, and the only reason I, I don't have him ahead of Rowenski is because obviously um, Alexander uh, Alex Petrangelo is still uh, in Vegas. Uh, they they basically shared uh, the power play one spot last year, kind of one on one off. Um, you know, uh, Theodore did see a little bit more time on the power play in the playoffs. Uh, but in training camp, it has been Alex Petrangelo with the top group. So I think it's going to be another one of those seasons where they just kind of go back and forth. Uh, but like Rowenski as well, hurt last year at eight goals, 33 assists, 41 points in 55 games. The production was really, really solid. But again, he's just a, a, a shot volume monster, right? He's always going to be over 200 shots. He's going to score double-digit goals. He's going to be around 35 assists. But the, the upside is so great, right? It's a good team. I think he really has like 20 goal, 50 assists upside if everything kind of falls his way. So uh, I really like Shea Theodore. I really like Zacharwenski at their current ADPs. Uh, Shea Theodore, also one of those guys that had a pretty nice playoff run, 13 points in 21 uh, playoff games en route to a Stanley Cup uh, championship with the Vegas Golden Knights. So yeah, 
ADP for Wenski, again, 159.5. I have him ranked 94th. And Shea Theodore, a little bit earlier, 142.9. I have him ranked 95th. So uh, I absolutely love these guys. And one guy we mentioned earlier, uh, Chris Letang. Uh, we didn't really get to him a whole lot. Uh, he came in as our consensus number 16 defenseman, and he is currently the 30th defenseman off the board. So I, again, another guy with massive discrepancy between my ranking uh, and ADP, he would be third behind Rowenski and Theodore. So I guess I triple dipped there. Um, but I, I think we, you know, we, we touched, we glossed over the, the Latang thing and the fact that they're going to be on the power play together. I, I don't think he's going to skip a beat. And the one thing about, Chris Tang is that he's also a guy that is going to throw the body a ton. Like he'll probably be top 20 among defensemen in hits in addition to uh really solid point totals. So I don't mean to triple dip, but those three just stick out so far uh, below ADP here for me. Yeah, I think um, I'll try to just give quick thoughts on each of them. Marinsky, I uh, only reason I didn't pick him as a sleeper was because I had him as a sleeper going into last season. Uh, of course, injury is the only thing that really derailed that. The one thing I really like about Orensky is his last full season or you know, close to a full season in 21-22 when he played 68 games. We really saw him take a step forward in his assist totals. He had kind of always been um, more of a, a shot volume uh, monster on the back end. But yeah, 37 assists in 68 games had me really excited uh, in terms of what his overall stat line could look like because we know how reliable of a shooter and a goal scorer he is. Now yeah. that they had added uh, Goudreau and Mane. So for me, that outlook really hasn't changed. I, I think he is still on the cusp of what should be a career year for him. Um, and, I, you know, I think Theodore is in a pretty similar boat. He's kind of just waiting, as you said, to have that clear-cut number one job on the top power play. Um, both of these guys, you know, they don't throw their body around a lot. And I think that's potentially what's having them slip in those middle rounds into really kind of that later round positions that a lot of people are. Um, you know, a lot of these elite fantasy defensemen we talked about, they don't give you that great category coverage. So in standard leagues, I think people are looking to for a little bit more of category specialists. So that's where I think uh, if that's the boat you're in, Chris Letang, as you pointed out, uh, a really great pick. I think his raw production um, is at a bit of a risk to take a pretty steep uh, drop off this year, not just with Carlson coming, but the fact that he's going to be 36 years old. Uh, we already saw that raw production slip a little bit last season. That core just keeps getting older and older and older and older. But uh, I still think he's going to be pretty consistent and the point totals alone will make him worth rostering. So in standard leagues, I think I'm with you. I think he's a great value where you can rack up the hits and the block shots with some pretty good shot volume as well. So I like all three of those picks. I think, you know, um, the concerns, the few concerns I did lay out for each of them more than baked in to those ADP. So I agree. Great upside. Uh, with where all three of those are going. And then I'll just jump right in. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just wanted to mention Zach Rowenski a season ago uh, was being drafted 98.6. So he's dropped uh, over 60 spots just from one serious injury. Uh, to yeah. me, that makes a lot more sense. Like I said, I got him ranked 94th. I think the ADP last year made a lot more sense. Um, and I, I don't think a whole lot has changed, right? There's a serious injury that you can just kind of write off. Um, and expect him to be back at full health and nothing's really changed from a season ago. Yeah. And I was even higher than, uh, than, uh, that ADP on him last year, right? Like I said, I had him pegged as a sleeper. Uh, part of that is due to kind of how the landscape for the fantasy defenseman, uh, looked last season to me, like there was really heading into the season, you know, there were some serious breakouts, but he was one of the few guys that you could kind of peg on having a really good chance at score 20 goals. I don't think that's really mm -hmm. changed all that much to your point. So yeah, I, I, to me, like I'm, you know, would be hesitant to take him much higher than where you have him ranked just because I think the injury concerns is real coming off such a major injury. But I, I totally agree that, uh, he's going just far, far too late. And, uh, yeah, we know what the upside is, is like with him. So really interested to see what he could do uh, in a full season if he is able to stay healthy. 
just with how much better that roster has gotten the last couple of years. Yeah, I had him ranked 64th last year. So obviously I've adjusted that as well. Times have changed with, with different guys stepping up as well. So with full 30 uh, spot drop for me in my rankings, but 60 spots in the ADP still has them well within the sleeper range. So welcome back, Zach Rowenski. Hopefully you come through for us this year. But uh, without further ado, I triple dipped. Your turn. Thank you, sir. I'm just going to keep it uh, simple here. One single scoop. Um, for me, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about Thomas Chabot. Uh, of the Ottawa Senators, 134th overall on average uh, in terms of ADP. Um, and for me personally, one of the most difficult decisions I've had to mull over all offseason is deciding between keeping Shabbat uh, and Jakob Chitrin, who I have on the same roster in one of my keeper leagues. Uh, 10 keepers, and they're both right on the bubble for me. Um, and Biebs is going to talk about more about Chitrin. I'm interested to see kind of where you lean on that one, Brock, after we get through here. But let me get my spiel first and try to sell you on Shabbat. Um, but yeah, I think the fantasy hockey community is wrestling with the same decision and it's caused both of their ADPs to tank a little bit uh, in terms of Chabot and Chitrin, both going in the 12th round on average Chabot's ADP of 134, getting the slight edge over Chitrin at 144. And I do think I agree with consensus right now and just leaning Chabot's way a little bit. He's just the incumbent number one defenseman on this team. We saw him retain the top spot on the sense for his power play unit last season after the Chitrin trade. Uh, and I think I do think the conclusion that I've come to in, in redraft leagues anyway, is that I'm more than happy to take the chance on either of these guys at the current ADPs. Um, I, I just think whichever one of these two emerges with and maintains that top power play role is going to be one of the steals of the entire draft. Um, and whichever one is relegated to the second unit, I still think is going to see enough usage and exposure to the elite offensive talent. The senators possess both at five V five and on that second power play unit to still be worthy of a 12th round selection, especially the, you know, given the shot volume they both offer. So I will gladly roll the dice on either of them. I think the floor is there regardless. And the upside is probably a low end number one fantasy blue liner for whichever one is able to kind of wrestle away at this top spot. Uh, I think if I had to pick, which I literally, as I said, have to do in our keeper league, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to sign with Chabot at this point, unless, you know, we get some reports out of preseason and training camp that have me uh, or have me sway in my decision a little bit. Uh, I think Chitron's shot volume would present him with slightly more upside in the role. We saw him shoot the puck almost four times a game in the 30 games he spent with the Coyotes last year. Uh, but it's still Shabbat's job to lose right now. He played at a 13-goal, 50-point uh, pace a season ago, and I think he's certain to improve that if he's featured on the top power play unit, given the additions they've made and the breakout potential of that young core. The shot volume has been borderline elite the last few seasons for Chabot. Uh, again, not quite on the same level as Chitron, but still... Uh, we're talking uh, elite for a fantasy blue liner. And I think he offers you some decent category coverage as well with block shots and hits, averaging 1.8 blocks and 1.2 hits per games last season. Uh, so Chabot and Chitron to me, both great draft day values. And I want as much of this power play as I can get this year. Um, but give me the choice between the two. And I'm going to side with the incumbent who's holding on to that job right now. And that's Chabot. But where do you fall, bro? <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like, oh, yeah, like, let, let me see exactly where I've got these two ranked. Obviously, just a massive cough pop out uh for me i have uh shabbat ranked one spot ahead of chicken in my ranking so it's basically a toss-up i know over at dailyfaceoff.com uh in the starting goalies comment section where they are just talking all day long if you ever want to go chat about fantasy hockey make sure you check out that page because there's just so many people in there talking about fantasy hockey asking questions answering questions all day long and the one question i've seen so many times is like who is going to be the number one power play guy in Ottawa. I, I think the other wrinkle to throw into this is like Jake Sanderson, right? I don't think that Jake Sanderson's probably that guy this year. Um, to me, I think a lot of, of, of Sanderson coming, you know, 
coming into his own and then adding Chikrin is a lot more to ease a little bit of the burden at 5v5 on Thomas Shabbat, right? He has been forced to play massive minutes at 5v5, and it's not really the strength of his game. He is more uh, of a power play quarterback. And to me, I, I think that they're going to use those guys to ease his burden at 5v5, and it is Shabbat's job on the top power play unit. Uh, that being said, obviously, when you have that many options, there's the uh, opportunity to go with one, um, just two balanced looks, which I don't anticipate, but it, we've certainly seen it in the past. Uh, or two, it could be a fluctuating thing throughout the season. If it's struggling a little bit with Shabbat, you put Chickering up there. If it struggles a little bit with Chickering, Shabbat goes back. Maybe Sanderson gets a look. I think it's going to fluctuate a little bit. But as you said, this should be a team that's pretty good at 5v5 as well. Uh, and, and I like all of them. So, yeah, I, I wish I had more concrete answers. I think almost certainly uh, we will have more of those answers. Um in the coming days and coming weeks. Uh, but as of right now, I, I looked and, di- and dug and dug and dug to try to find something before the show started because Beebs has Jacob Chikrin as his sleeper. So you two are both on board with, with those two, obviously on ep- opposite ends of the spectrum. So let's see what Beebs has to say about Chikrin. For my sleeper, it, I, I kind of had to take something we did last year and attack a player that realistically in my eyes is last year's Dougie Hamilton. Uh, my sleeper this year is Jacob Chitron out in Ottawa. Now that's after a big deal, big trade halfway through last year, a little bit more than halfway. This is a guy who shoots a bonkers rate. He's coming off an injury after joining a new team, much like Dougie Hamilton last year uh, or the year before last going in. Um, he was, he's paired with a point producing high volume shooter in Thomas Jabot who Dougie also brought in Brent Burns last year. And overall, just I think he's a little bit more comfortable with his surroundings. And that's how I feel about Jacob Chitron. As mentioned, he joined about the mid-50s game point last year, close to the trade deadline. Takes guys a little bit to get adjusted to their surroundings, especially after leaving somewhere like the desert where it was all them. And basically they ran the back end. Now he has a couple more nice options with him. We saw the big Jake Sanderson deal in the off season. I mentioned Thomas Chabot, a couple little stats about Jacob Chitron last year. He had nine goals, 33 points, 144 shots on goal, 30 penalty minutes in only 48 games played last year. Um, This guy, the one thing that's always kind of helped him back and that probably makes him a sleeper is just injury concerns. He's never really completed a full season. His closest that he came was the lockout season. He did, I guess that would be his full season, but he was only given a 56-game stretch. So um, it's not really fair, but he's never really completed an 82-game season um, in his career. So it is a little scary, but this is a guy, if he could finally put that health together and he's had a fully healthy offseason, which is a, a massive, massive thing for him. If he can put that health together, and if we were to extrapolate last year, which was not so much an up year for Chitrin. Um, he's had a few better years in, in previous uh, campaigns, but last year, if we extrapolated that season of nine goals and 33 points in 48 games, this beast would have had 15 goal, 15.3 goals, which would have ranked him ninth among all defense last year, 56.3 points, which would have put him 14th and then 246 shots on goal. This is the one that really stands out. That would have placed him fourth among all defense last year. And then throw in a little sprinkle on top for my boy, Jake with 51 PIMS. If we extrapolated that data, which would have put him 49th. So that is putting him top 50 and even 
leagues that count pims, which as I've mentioned are, are here and there, but um, some banger leagues do break out to that side. He doesn't hit much, but Chitrin, if he could only stay healthy, these are numbers that you're basically getting from a top 10 defense. And you're getting this guy at 142.2 right now. That is the definition of slept on. There are a lot of defense around him. We won't even come close to a double-digit season. And for Chitron, I think if he doesn't get a double-digit season this year, that's actually considered a down year, especially, like I mentioned, full bill of health coming into Ottawa couple other big players around him he had 30 shots on goal in only 12 games in ottawa last year so a lot of guys that we see get traded and the numbers go down he actually had his shots go up which was pretty insane while having his minutes go down almost two minutes he was playing 21 minutes time on ice it's really not that much for a defenseman as he becomes more comfortable in this really lethal i'm gonna call it lethal ottawa senators top six and lineup I think if he plays 23, 24 minutes, which he definitely is capable of doing, he can up the shots, he can up the goals. And this could be a guy we're talking about as one of the elite scoring defensemen. Uh, Maybe not so much points, but at least goals. We've mentioned how hard it is to get goals from the back end. There was only, um, I believe, 15 players last season who scored double-digit goals. It was was somewhere around there. And this guy was just off. I'm actually going to mention that later on when we get to Bowen or when we get to, get to my uh, my breakout defenseman. But yeah, there you cannot depend on many D for goals. So if you can get a guy who has a 20-goal potential, which is what he was easily on pace for in 2021-22 when he only played 63 games, you can kind of fill up the rest of your defense or the rest of your team with guys who maybe are a bit heavier on assists and you can afford to, uh, to take some chances with the forwards. As I mentioned, this is a guy who his most career games was 68. That was as a rookie. So with a little bit of health. Jacob Chitron is almost a completely obvious sleeper to me. He could have been a breakout because with that health, I think he does break out, but we'll put him sleeper. I think you get a great final defenseman that you can take a chance on one who's going to shoot the puck in ton. And we absolutely love shots. So I'm going to take the, I wouldn't even call it poor man's Dougie Hamilton this season going in, but I am going to take all my chances on Jacob Chitron. And um, especially with this draft capital that he has at the moment. Not much more uh, that we can probably add on whatever Biebs is about to say so or whatever Biebs just said. But yeah, I think that it's going to be an interesting spot. You you know, us as a, as a podcast certainly aren't the only people that have, you know, not a whole lot of idea of how this thing is going to shake out. But to the best of, of my uh, knowledge, I, w- I would lead Shabbat. I'm in the same boat as you. But I do think Chickering, like he's a guy that we've been high on for a while. It's been a lot about just him staying healthy, uh, the shot volume the uh, goal scoring upside has certainly been there for him in years past. Uh, It's kind of funny, right? Because like, this is a guy that just suffered in Arizona. And then now we're looking at this Arizona team. We're like, damn, like Keller, Hayton, they're all good. It's like, imagine Chikorin was still there. Like he just, he left like at the worst time possible, suffered through the worst of it and then left uh, during the best of it. So uh, not great timing there on Jacob Chikorin, but uh, hopefully you can have good timing scooping him up. Uh, at ADP 142 uh, this season. I'm going to keep going here. My bust is Charlie McAvoy. Um, this, I think, has basically become routine <laughs> for me on these D episodes to basically pick Charlie McAvoy as a bust. His ADP always just seems to be far too high. Uh, we talked about it a little bit pre-show. Obviously, the concern uh, with, with trying to pick a guy like McAvoy as your bust is, is that he's still just 25 years old, right? Uh, last year, seven goals, 45 assists, 52 points in 67 games. It was his best offensive season to date in terms of like a point per game 
uh, goal per game type of uh, rate. But that was the best Bruins team that he's ever played on and probably the best Bruins team that he ever will play on. Uh, we talked about it last episode. Bergeron's gone. Krejci's gone. The offense is 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 probably going to be lacking to a certain degree. They're certainly not going to be as good as they were last year. And his current ADP uh, is just far too early for me. So uh, current ADP of 54.8 makes him the seventh defenseman off the board. As a consensus, we had him at 14. So uh, I'm not alone in the thinking that McAvoy is probably going to be a bust this year. I think his, his production is just pretty middling, right? Like it's solid. If he can recreate what he did last year over a full season, I'll be wrong on this and, and I'll eat crow. But um I just, you know, I don't anticipate that team being nearly as good. And I just don't think that McAvoy has that that high end upside that he's flashed. Obviously, too, we've seen some time last year that he he was bumped from the top power play unit at times. Uh Kevin Shattenkirk's there as well now, too. Is that another situation where they try to ease uh ease McAvoy back off a couple of minutes here and there? Um, potentially, right? So to me, his ADP is just far too rich. It usually is. Um, as I said one of the biggest discrepancies between ADP and actual uh, draft day value is, is Charlie McAvoy for me, just not a huge fan uh, of that ADP. I think he's a great hockey player. His current ADP, as I mentioned, 54.8. I have him ranked at 97. So several rounds later uh, than where he's currently going. And I just can knock it on board uh, with that. There's going to be people in your drafts that are probably going to pick up Mark Stone and, uh, and and Charlie McAvoy in these middle rounds, and you can just write them off immediately. Yeah, I think part of like what drives his ADP up is, you know, prior to last year, he was a super valuable defenseman uh, in terms of hits and block shots. Um, and, you know, really, there's no one else, um, th- or there's no one we talked about in the top 10 that uh, are really going to put up the blocks and the hits that he put up two seasons ago, right? Uh, 130 shots, 155 hits in 78 games. Um, you know, there's really no Brady Kachucks on the back end, right? So getting that type of category coverage from a guy that could potentially, you know, take his offensive game to another level, it is attractive and it is appealing, but you got to remember this is a guy that doesn't shoot the puck a whole lot. So, you know, if you are encompassing all these categories in your league, which again, many standard leagues do, um, sure, you're getting some extra blocks and maybe some extra hits. But again, even that fell off last year, just 84 hits in 67 games, as he saw um, less defensive zone start times, more time on the power play, less time on the penalty kill. Um, so yeah, I think that is kind of what's been driving his ADP up in recent years, but I'm with you. I think he's going to fall back in terms of his raw production. He just doesn't shoot the puck enough for me. It's only been a, uh, above two shots a game once in his career. Last year, he fell back again to just 105 shots in 67 games. It's just not going to cut it when we're talking about a top 10 fantasy defenseman, um, especially when, you know, you can get, if you're really, really just looking for someone to, you know, fill up your blocks and hits, you can get a Rodko Gudis at the end of your draft, right? Like if, if you're just looking for a category specialist or a category filler there, I don't think it's worth taking the, the risk on taking McAvoy and hoping that he's able to, you know, continue to build off the offensive production he's had in recent years. Cause I'm with you. I think there's a really good chance we've um, seen the peak of his offensive production. It's a little bit scary because, yeah, he's still at the age where he could be improving his game year to year um, and take a step forward that, you know, we really can't predict or forecast based off past performances. But uh, I'm with you. At the ADP, I'm, I'm happy to fade him and let someone else take that risk, even in those full category leagues. I mean, just look at the names that he's going ahead of, too, that we just we, we, we were so happy to talk about in the first half of the show. Quinn Hughes, Miro Heiskanen, 
Victor Hedman, who we didn't even get to, he ranked 11th for us. Josh Morrissey, uh, who ranks 12th for us overall. Brent Burns, uh, who ranked 13th. All those guys going later than him, we have ranked uh, ahead of him. And to me, that's part of it, right? Like, yeah, he might offer a few more block shots and hits and whatever, but I already talked about how late Chris Letang is going. And Chris Letang is going to offer you potentially 200 shots uh, in 170 hits while probably matching the offensive production that you can get out of Charlie McAvoy. So to me, uh, it, it's a lot about who you're not getting as much as it is what you are getting from Charlie McAvoy at that ADP. Definitely. Why don't you take it away uh, with your bust? Uh, it, it fits very nicely with a lot of what you've talked about today. Um, after leaving Edmonton, why you like Roman Yossi so much? Why do you dislike Tyson Berry? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you got you've you just nailed it right we've been alluding to Barry a lot he uh certainly uh was crucial in providing the context around you know just how excited we are about Evan Bouchard this year and um I think Tyson Barry is just another guy who's really just being drafted off of past performances maybe people looking at his uh overall stat line of last season between the two teams and not really realizing how much his production just fell off a cliff uh, after that trade to the Predators. But yeah, ADP of 108.2 overall puts him right around the end of the ninth round. So he's going at a point, Tyson Berry, in your draft where you still got plenty of starting positions left to fill. Uh, currently being drafted as a 20th defenseman off the board. Doesn't even, I think he's right on the edge of my top 40. Like it's, <laughs> it's really not even close. Um, he's been a guy in the past that's been completely reliant on his offensive production. I just don't think it's going to be there this year. Um, so yeah, it really just seems to be a case of his past performance overshadowing the reality of the current situation in Nashville or Nashville, excuse me, since coming into the league, Barry has undoubtedly, you know, proven himself to be a talented offensive defenseman, but in terms of his surrounding cast, um, I don't think you could have found a more fortunate player in the NHL across his first 11 seasons. Certainly not one that ended up on three different teams, but obviously drafted and broke through in Colorado, running the power play for the likes of McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog. Spends a year with the Maple Leafs, doing the same for Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares. Uh, and then, of course, spent a couple seasons with the Oilers, joining what was literally the greatest power play we've ever seen. Uh, so to be a number one or number two fantasy defenseman, as he's currently being drafted by, you need that kind of power play exposure. Maybe not consistently alongside the best forwards in the league, although that's certainly ideal, but you need that power play one time. Uh, and that exposure to really be a difference maker in fantasy hockey from the blue line. And he's no exception. 204 of the 490 points that Barry has registered to date have come on the power play. It's always been the key to his production. And you simply cannot rely on that sort of usage anymore now that he's playing in Nashville behind Roman Yossi. Even if he's skating alongside Yossi at times on the top unit, the Predators power play is quite obviously not going to be the boon to his production that he's enjoyed in the past. And the best part is, you know, you don't even have to go off hypotheticals and talk about how we think he's going to fit in um, in Nashville uh, because we have a 24 game sample size out of him last season with the Predators. And personally, I've, I've seen everything I need to see just three goals, nine assists in those 24 games, a 41 point pace over a full 82. Uh, nothing in the underlying numbers that suggests he was at all unfortunate in racking up those totals. So uh, if I'm drafting a half point per game defenseman in the 10th round, I better be getting some terrific category coverage. You know, think the likes of Darnell Nurse, right? Who's going right around uh, that same time. Uh, and Barry's shot hit block shot totals shouldn't surprise you. Don't come anywhere close to justifying that type of selection over the last two season. He's averaged under two shots a game. He's not doing anything for you in the block shots or hit department either. So barring a Yossi injury, I really think Barry's going to end up being waiver wire fodder in standard leagues, uh, probably within the first couple months of the season. So for me, it's a waste of a pick with where he's going right now in the 10th round. Yeah. Like to me, his situation and kind of, 
profile from after he was traded last year is similar to a guy like, say, Owen Power, right? Half a point per game defenseman, clearly trapped behind uh, the incumbent. You know, obviously, Rasmus Dahlin's not getting bumped off that top unit. And then you just look at the difference between ADPs. Owen Power, 166. Tyson Berry, 108. And it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Tyson Berry, yeah, like you said, he's probably best suited uh, as a, a fourth defenseman in fantasy this year. And it, even at that point, it's like, what what are you really going to get? Um, you know, I think that there's probably uh, room for him to, to grow a little bit above a half a point per game. But like you said, like, Everywhere he's been, he's been in the ideal situation, and now he is in far from the ideal situation. So, um, yeah, I have absolutely zero interest in Tyson Berry. On name value alone, he will probably get drafted much earlier than he needs to. Um, and then, yeah, like to me, there's just absolutely no no reason. And and like you said, we're talking about discrepancy between my rankings and and, and where their ADPs are, and Tyson Berry is certainly uh, way, way up there. Um it's funny to like find a bust in like the hundreds, like hundred picks, right? Like it's because, it's, but like even the, at that point, it's like it's still too early. Like it, it's it's yeah. terrible. Well, that's just the uh, the nature of the position, too, right? I mean, we've only got what is it, four or five defensemen going in the top fifty, right? So, uh, yeah, hundredth overall, but still in the top twenty at the position. So you're you were talking about a number two fantasy defenseman, and uh, yeah, it's just hard to imagine that happening this season without uh, an injury to Yossi. And I would go as far to say as it's not going to happen without an injury to Yossi. So. Yeah, 20th defenseman off the board. Just some of the names he's going ahead of here. Alex Petrangelo, we just talked about him being number one power play unit guy in um, in that in Vegas. Uh, Drew Doughty, Chris Letang, Morgan Riley. Like Morgan Riley, I guess, is, is an interesting one too, right? Like probably going to be on the power play too this year. But I would still much least... rather ha- have him than Tyson Berry. Like at least he's it's still a half decent second power play unit and it's still a team that's going to rack up goals at 5v5. Yeah, at least to start, right? And I mean, Klingberg's another guy that you can get at the bottom of your drafts right now. And that's just a situation I would monitor closer to um, your draft day. But all reports are right now, Klingberg is on the top unit. But uh, I mean, we saw something similar when Tyson Berry came to Toronto and um, started with the top unit. It wasn't long before uh, Riley was back up there. They were trying both of them at times. So um, if honestly, if this move happened at the deadline or even... You know, if you told me at the end of the regular season that uh, they were adding someone with the offensive pedigree of a John Klingberg, I would have said for sure, like he's going right on that top unit. Riley has struggled, but Riley, and especially on the power play, was one of, if not their best player in the postseason last year. And it um, certainly, you know, rejuvenated my faith to a certain degree in his offensive upside. We've seen him flash some pretty significant years before, and I think did the same to the coaching staff. So I don't think that they will hesitate to give Riley a shot back there. I don't think that, you know, and I'm, I know you feel the same way that there's a, it's certainly not a indictment on or not them saying that, you know, Klingberg is absolutely going to be running this power play uh, for 82 games. So I think it's, it's probably along with that Ottawa job, one of the uh, most interesting and contended power play jobs to follow right now, because it's, it's going to provide value, whoever it falls to, even if it is Klingberg. Um, but I think Klingberg will probably, even if he is in that spot, will be more of a bottom of your roster guy, just because I don't think he's going to do a whole lot of even strength. He's not going to help you out in any other categories. And it's probably going to be, you know, uh, pretty much, a, you know, 95% of the production is going to be assists anyway. So, uh, but yeah, I think Riley and the tank that it's had on his, um, his uh, ADP makes him a, a really interesting pick and, and a pretty solid value with where he's going. I'm interested in both of them at their ADPs. 
Um, mm-hmm. But Riley in particular, I, I think it would not shock me if we're two weeks into the season and he's back on that top unit. Yeah, uh, just for context, Riley's ADP is currently 125.2. I'm in agreement. I'm in on both of them. Uh, John Klingberg, I probably could have double dipped in my sleeper uh, section because uh, I had him as, as in my perfect draft from the number one spot. I think he's an ideal target uh, for your fourth defenseman in the 15th round of drafts right now. His current ADP is 165. So, uh, it, you know, if he does lock down that job, this is a guy that's put up very prolific offensive numbers, you know, at times earlier in his career, not so much in, in recent years, but he's still been quite solid. And I think, you know, he's he's probably never played with a power play with anywhere near as much talent as what the Maple Leafs have. So I do think he's a very interesting target uh, late in drafts. Let's get to Biebs' sleeper now, or bust, excuse me. For my bust, I, I really didn't want to attack this one um, just because he seems to come up in every one of our of our early season shows, whether whether he's a sleeper or a bust, there's no in between. But um, he always seems to be on a new team either way when he does. And this is Tony D'Angelo out in Carolina, defenseman, currently being drafted at 129 ADP. D'Angelo had a, let's just call it kind of bad year last year in Philly. We saw him get healthy scratched a few times, but we saw that with a few few key players on Philly. Um, but he still came out with an 11, 31, and 42 stat line. That was very, very good. Um, he's playing 22 minutes a night. He could, we've talked about how defense have room for more, but Tony D'Angelo went to Carolina, and Carolina has a very strong six defenseman. There is a lot of people in Carolina who don't think that that Tony D'Angelo might not even dress most nights as Jalen Chatfield has proven that he is a lot better defensively um, and if you're taking a chance on a guy at 129, this is a spot 20 to 30 positions ahead of where a lot of your final defense go that we're seeing on teams. So people are taking chances on Tony D'Angelo. And I think that they're really just referencing his previous year in Carolina when he was an absolute force two seasons ago. Um, the thing is, a lot have th- uh, has changed in Carolina. And that's kind of why I'm fading Tony D at this point. Yes, I will admit he is an absolute point machine. He does score a lot of goals, but heading to Carolina, I think that there's really only going to be 17, 18 minutes of ice for him. And if he does, it's not going to be like his first season where he was a power play machine. Brent Burns now exists. Yes, he's older. Yes, he's a bit, you know, he's coming to that point where Brent Burns might not be their shooting option in the future. But as we speak, he is there their number one power play D and they have no reason to change that up. Things have worked. And with Tony D one thing that really, really scares me here is he's only on a one year kind of prove it deal. Carolina doesn't owe him anything. So if they want to healthy scratch him a few nights, that is very, very likely. If he has a couple down games, anything happens defensively, realistically, anything um, has been to, they have about nine NHL worthy defensemen. So if they need to lock it down some games, he might not play. And if that's sitting on your fantasy roster, that's not an IR guy that you can put into an IR slot and then just pick anyone up and maybe have some production. This is a guy who then just gets an NA or just doesn't play. That can really hurt you. Um, He was, he's had a average of 40, 11 goals and 47 points in his last two seasons. So it's really nothing to scoff at. And I think that's probably why people are bringing their late draft picks to him. But as mentioned at this point, there's just a lot better names that I like with my final picks names that I'd like to take a chance on a bit more that are guaranteed going to get more ice. And 
if they have similar point production, at least I took this chance because I think that the, the ceiling is a lot higher. And with these late picks, that's kind of what you have to do. Some defense, defense that stand out around this draft position and are actually being drafted later are both Thomas Chabot and Jacob Chitron out in Ottawa. Obviously, we like them both without what we've chosen, but I would highly, highly take any of these guys over Tony D. Again, six slash seventh D-man in Carolina. There's also Rasmus Anderson, who we, we've seen him being incredibly productive, should get more points than D'Angelo, should be playing more ice. And if you're in banger leagues, these cross-category categories that you get for getting more ice time can really, really help you. And that's where Tony D could help you or could hurt you. We also have Shea Theodore, Morgan Riley, and Justin Falk, all names that are going after him. He's currently the 25th or 34th D-man off the board, which is not that bad. But that means that basically every team's first D-man is going before him. But there's a couple teams where I would prefer their second D-man as well, just with a couple of the, a lot of power plays going back to the two defensemen power play. Overall, it's uh, it just scares me with Tony D. I think there's a lot safer positions you can put yourself in. These are the points of the draft where you can really steal picks and you can draft guys who can you draft them as a three or four defenseman and they turn out to be a two, maybe a one. And that's really what you need to push your team to the championship. I don't think Tony D brings you there. If you can get him at the very end of your draft, take that chance on him. I love that, but it's just at this 130 ADP. I think that. You have a couple rounds where you can grab guys that are in much better positions, and I would rather be safe with high ceilings than be sorry on Tony D and his his, his one year prove it contract, um, which uh, which is just going to be a wait and see one. Um, it's not the same position he was in two years ago. I have to um, regurgitate that, but we're not going to get the same production that he got when he was able to play twenty two minutes a night in Carolina. And, uh, and that's really what scares me. But, hey, maybe he'll prove us wrong. And then he's back on the sleeper train because it's clearly a, a one or the other because we're, we're always talking about this guy. So um, I, I just can't do it. Just give me a couple of better names that are behind him, and uh, I'll take them all day over Tony D. We talked about a lot of these Carolina Hurricanes defensemen in the first episode of the season. I just There's just too many mouths to feed. I mean, if you look at it on the surface, this is probably one of the best collections of blue liners we've seen in a long time. Jakob Slavin, Brent Burns, Brady Shea, Brett Pessy, Dimitri Orloff, and Tony D'Angelo is an absolutely uh, elite unit. And, you know, if, if D'Angelo gets time and, and shares the top power play with Brent Burns, I do think that he's going to carry some upside. And if he doesn't, He's going to be relegated to, to third pairing minutes and PP2 usage, and it's going to be very difficult uh, for him to return value. And an ADP of 129.2 isn't super rich, but uh, as you mentioned, like that's, you know, it, it's it's rich enough. Uh, Crystal Tang is going 124, five spots ahead of him. I know I've said his name 100 times, but like he's the one that you just got to keep comparing these guys to, and um, certainly somebody I'd rather have in, in that spot. Yeah, I, I would probably rather like just go for one of the wings. Like, you know, we talked about a lot of the steals that you could find uh, at left and right wing um, in that range. And that's probably where I would lean. And I, I think, uh, yeah, there's no reason to take D'Angelo there because it's Brent Burns' job to lose. And yeah, I agree. Even if they end up splitting time, um, I think he's going to play so few minutes that the 5v5 production is really not going to be there. And it's just going to be all about what he can rack up on the power play. And to, to Beebs' point, like if he's not, getting that power play minutes. Like I don't think he'll be rosterable because he's not really going to give you anything else at all. 
Um, he is a very good offensive defenseman. He's literally terrible in his own zone. Um, and there are wingers that are better at defending other hockey players than Tony D'Angelo. So, um, yeah, he's just he's not going to get a whole lot of usage. Um, and it's hard to imagine him getting that top spot uh, on the Canes power play unit, which has been a power play that's, you know, underperformed over the last five years or so as well and hasn't really um, lived up to the sum of their parts. So, uh, yeah, he's someone that I'm just not interested in at all. And, um, yeah, I don't imagine I'll have any D'Angelo this year. Yeah, you look at the guys he's going around right now. Uh, you know, you're a sleeper. Uh, Thomas Shabbat going right after him. Obviously, somebody, uh, a couple breakout picks from previous episodes. Dylan Cousins, he's going before him. Uh, Cole Caulfield's going before him. So, uh, certainly not Shea Theodore, guy I just mentioned. I really like a lot of guys uh, going ahead of and not a whole lot of interest from any of us. Uh, okay. We already talked about your breakout, Evan Bouchard. Uh, we talked about him. You know, we might as well rename this episode the Evan Bouchard Show. But uh, he is your breakout. My breakout is is a little. I'm a little nervous about it because I I think it it can certainly happen in terms of how talented this player is. But I just don't know if he's in the right environment for it to happen. And that's Noah Dobson. He is outstanding last two years have been nearly identical 13 goals in each season 38 and 36 assists the production's been really solid the shot volume solid and improved uh a little bit last year a couple extra shots here and there per game which was nice uh the shooting percentage was right on par uh 6.8 6.3 the last two years the on-ice shooting percentage though just 9.8 last year it's just it's the islanders man they just don't score enough goals to uh, for him to like truly truly break out but he has the ability this team does, you know, it, it's basically the same team. So it's hard to be like, yeah, this is going to be totally different. But, uh, you know, a full season with Bo Horvat there, Matt Barzell back, uh, moving to the wing, Oliver Wallstrom back healthy, you know, Pierre Engvall for a whole season is obviously not going to, you know, inspire a lot of offense. But they're, they're, they're a pretty solid team all around, like they have been for years. They just need uh, this power play to start clicking. Anders Lee, Matt Barzell, Bo Horvat, Brock Nelson. Uh, the likely candidates to be on that top unit with Noah Dobson. And, you know, if it all kind of goes well, I do think that there's a lot more to offer here from Noah Dobson. Uh, he's been pretty good at 5v5. He's been pretty good on the power play, but there there just seems to be more. And as we mentioned, it's hard to uh, look at, you know, a former top 15 pick at age 24 and not expect a little bit more. So the player himself and any other team, I would expect humongous things from. I'm a little nervous that it won't come to fruition with the Islanders. Um, the other, just again, I, I don't mean to double dip, but we talk about breakout as players who aren't, you're never going to be able to draft them in this tier again. Um, and one name that I wanted to bring up, but it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense uh, for, def- uh, for a breakout is a rookie, Luke Hughes. And, I mentioned it earlier. I think that what we saw in limited, you know, games last year is got my interest. I'm in. Uh, obviously, we talked about he's not stealing Dougie Hamilton's job, uh, but his current ADP of 119.4, I think, is kind of interesting. I probably won't have a lot of him, but if you are willing to take that shot, I think it's probably going to be pretty close to being worth it. And I think there's an opportunity for him uh, to be really good. And that team is outstanding. I think there's an opportunity for him to step in and play 20 plus minutes a night right away and, and make it an instant impact. We've seen Quinn Hughes do it when he broke into the NHL and he is in a terrific, uh, terrific situation in New Jersey. And I think, uh, you know, this time next year, I won't be surprised if he is 
being drafted several rounds earlier, and he's already going fairly early. So he's another name I just wanted to throw out there that I do kind of like. you got to be brave taking him at his ADP, but I do think that there's enough upside uh, there for him to be a, a really impactful rookie defenseman. Yeah, I, I think I'm – like I, I agree with you. There's obviously a lot of upside here with Luke Hughes, but I'm probably with you that I don't think I'd be in on him this year just given the ADP. Just It's just a little bit too much of an unknown for me, especially given the fact that – you have such an established uh, number one power play defenseman there in Dougie Hamilton. Um, but yeah, and then we just honestly don't know what we're going to be getting out of Luke Hughes in this first season um, in terms of, you know, the other categories and, and what he can offer you in terms of the all around upside. The offensive upside certainly seems to be there, but we talked about how difficult it is to, uh, you know, produce enough offensively for that to be, you know, your lone contribution. And, and while you're playing on a second power play unit, it's probably not going to cut it. Um, so that's what has me just a little bit hesitant. Um, I, I do think he could potentially be a little bit more of a physical player than his brothers. He is, um, considerably taller than him. He's six foot two. Jack Hughes is five eleven, I believe Quinn Hughes is five ten. So, uh, I think people that are kind of just quick to pigeonhole him into, you know, the, that Quinn Hughes archetype, he seems like he could be a little bit more of an all around defenseman. Just his size leans into that at least. Um, but yeah, we've got a five game sample size, only two in the regular season to build off of here. So, to me, one of the most pro- difficult players to project um, in the entire league heading into the season. But uh, I think you just look at, you know, the history of rookie defensemen coming into the league. Um, it's very difficult for them to kind of hit the ground running and just be uh, a fantasy asset right away. His brother, you know, an exception to the rule. So that's certainly noteworthy. But you could certainly make the argument that Quinn Hughes had a path to top power play uh, minutes mm-hmm. in Vancouver on a, you know, pretty um, potent power play from day one and you just cannot say the same about luke hughes so i don't think i'll be in on him on his adp but i'm with you it wouldn't surprise me if we're talking about him um flirting with the top 15 to 10 defensemen but uh next season uh but if i had to bet I, I think we're probably two seasons two to three years away from that given the fact that he's still just 20 years old just to give some context we saw a five game sample size from quinn hughes uh in 2019 three assists in five games uh and then he he went on to put up 53 points in 68 games the following season. So I think it's possible. Uh, again, obviously, you know, this isn't a linear thing. They're not all going to be the same, but I do think there's potential, but like you do have to be a little bit brave. But the one thing about his ADP is you're passing on good wingers, but like in terms of defensemen, all like the really, really good guys are there. So it's almost worth taking or, or, or gone. So it's almost re- worth taking a, a flyer on him, but you got to be brave at that one. Any quick thoughts about Noah Dobson before we fire it over to Beebs's breakout? I just, no, I agree. Um, unfortunately, so much of uh, what goes into being a top tier fantasy defenseman is the cast around you. That's just the nature of it. And um, again, speaks to how much of an influence that power play exposure has. It's not uh, a coincidence that, you know, all the guys in our, our top five to 10, um, yeah, especially the top five are guys that are on some of the best teams and some of the best power plays in the league. So it has just as much to do at this position with the players around you and even more so um, than the positions, the forward positions we've talked about to this point. So, yeah, I agree. It just really hurts his upside. I think one thing that could combat that is a growth in ice time, just 20 minutes a game last year, seems to have uh, the two-way game for that to improve. Tough coach to earn extra minutes under, but I do think uh, it should be coming Noah Dobson's way. But I'm with you. I love the player. It's never a bad thing to bet on talent. It's just hard to imagine him really breaking through with that cast. But yeah, I'd be like if him and Evan Bouchard switch roles, I'd have Noah Dobson as my number six defenseman and talking about how he's you know probably going to be one of the top two or three blue liners this year if he holds on to that role. But unfortunately, as you pointed out, it just doesn't offer that same upside skating on the Isles top unit. 
who would have thought playing on the Islanders would be uh, an issue as opposed to playing on the Oilers? Uh, just to give you an idea, last year the Islanders power play ranked 30th in the NHL at 15.8%. So if they can improve, start firing at a higher clip, I mean, still had a pretty productive season while playing on the 30th ranked power play unit. If they can get something going there, full year at Bo Horvat, get up to 20%, I do think that there's opportunity uh, for Noah Dobson's game to grow. Let's fire it over to Biebs so he can talk about a Colorado avalanche. Couldn't let him go the whole show. He wasn't here to talk about Makar. So take it away, Biebs. For my breakout, I, I've been waiting a couple seasons for this one. I kind of alluded to it earlier um, when I was talking about my sleeper, Mr. Chitrin. But uh, but my breakout from the Colorado avalanche is Bowen Byram. Yes, the Colorado avalanche have another superstar defenseman. This is no news to anyone who watches them and watches this guy and is like, why is there Kale McCarr 2 out there? Um, maybe not that good. We'll go Walmart Kale McCarr, but even Walmart Kale McCarr is worth all the riches. Um, Bowen Byram last year had an injury-filled season. He's had he's had them since he's joined the NHL, a couple of concussion problems. A little scary, but like most of our breakouts, it's just a case of we want to see 82 games. And Bowen Byram last season had 10 goals, 14 assists for 24 points in 42 games played. That's 10 goals. That's double-digit goal production in only half a season. 65 shots on goal, 38 PIMS. At 28 years old, Byram kind of seems like he's just waiting to actually break out. We saw glimpses of it in the playoffs when he had to take extra minutes. He has proven that he is able to take a loftier role with the team. It took him a little bit while, a little bit of a while to get amalgamated into the lineup last year after I mentioned those injury problems and just the fact that Colorado had so many different names coming in in the lineup. He would be lined up with Jacob McDonald some nights back there, now in San Jose. Um, just trying to think of the Jack Johnson, Eric Johnson last year. It was all these uh, these names, um, but we did see him play a little bit with Kale McCarr, and when he did, it was absolutely fantastic. But that's not even what I'm going to attribute to his breakout this year. So as I mentioned, only 42 goal games last year, playing 21-53 time on ice. I think he's ready to take a step forward to 23-24 minutes, currently paired up with Josh Manson on their second deep pairing in Colorado that's not necessarily a bad thing it means he should be touching the ice a lot with Colorado's top six we know how much they score they're almost sure bet going to be a top 10 scoring team in the NHL I want to say five maybe even top three but I wouldn't give that sure bet I'm also biased so here we are one thing that kind of hurt Bowen Byram was his shooting only 65 shots on net in 42 games I'd love to see that go closer to the two shots on net per game mark um, that led to him shooting a 17% clip last year for his 10 goals, which um, is a very, very unlikely from a forward, let alone a defenseman. Regardless, it just shows the shooting power that this young player has as he kind of gains confidence and as he learns to flow with just that incredibly effective Colorado offense. Um, I played the extrapolation game a lot today, and I'm going to do it one more time here. So if we took his season last year and he put that together for a full healthy 82, 21-year-old Bowen Byram would have had 19 and a half goals. That would have been third best in the NHL among defensemen. He would have had 46.9 assists, or sorry, points off 27 assists. That would be best for 25th in points in defensemen. Again, very, very, very draftable. Um, 74th in PIMS, or sorry, 74 minutes in PIMS, which would have put him 14th among defensemen. As I mentioned, kind of a category filler and sneaky. He's being drafted right now for what he was last year, his value last year. If you were to get 
10 goals, 24 points in 42 games from him. That would be completely worthy of his late, late ADP. But at the moment, it, it, you can draft him with that hope that he takes that next step forward, which I really think he does as a fourth overall draft pick. He is a in the first defenseman off the board in his draft. He was an absolute stud, and he really hasn't give, been given the chance to prove that yet, which kind of makes it crazy that he was on pace for almost 20 goals across 82 games. There was only 33 defensemen, so uh, I believe I said 15 earlier, but yeah, 33 defensemen who provided 10-plus goals last season. So that means that as far as drafting defensemen goes, a lot of teams were keeping their third or fourth defensemen in 10, 12-team leagues. That were guys that don't even get 10 goals. And I think you can almost sure bet if Byron plays 82 games, he will be in that double-digit goal category with the shot that he takes. And with a little bit of improvement, it should be able to offset the lack of shooting that he had last year. So if you get a few, you get a bit more volume on net, that should kind of level at his stats. And you, you don't have to worry, oh, he won't have a 17% shooting year. Because say he puts on about hmm, 100 shots on a, on a, on a 41-game pace, That'll get him closer to 200. And with that, that should allow him to shoot at about a 10% clip and still be successful. Um, Colorado's kind of been, been, been bonkers with their power plays in the last couple seasons, especially last year. We saw at one point, I believe they had three or four defensemen um, on that second unit, which is hilarious. But part of the reason for that was just Byram's incredibly effective offensive ability. It's, uh, it's really, really easy to choose a breakout guy when he's, this highly touted he's only 22 years old now um he potentially could play with kale mccarr but even if he doesn't touch kale mccarr for 82 games i still would expect this breakout with that said i mentioned it he's looked good with mccarr before if at any point he moves up with him we're talking about a ton a ton of points ton of free assists we saw devin taze become an elite fantasy option um the year before last just playing with McCart, rarely playing on the power play, where Bowen Byram's going to give you that second power play unit. He's he's driving the offense from the back end. Um, this is one guy who I am incredibly excited to see the step forward. Colorado has these riches in these young players that seem to come through in our superstars, and I think we're watching another one in Bowen Byram. So for this one here, um, it was it was almost too easy, but I had to go with uh, had to go with 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 my guy. And uh, I would love to have stocks in Bowen Byram. Like I mentioned, he's going at the end of draft. So if you could snag this guy, put him in, he's not going to hurt you in any fantasy categories. And he should have the upside to push D-man too if things can go right out in uh, out in Denver. So for me, I love making that breakout. I'm glad that we finished our, our positional segment um, on an avalanche. So that's fantastic. Um, so give me all the Bowen Byram stock this season. Yeah, I mean, Bowman Byron, we've kind of been waiting for this one for a while. I mean, when I said, hey, we're uh, we're doing the we're doing the D show, uh, I just knew, like, just pencil in Bowman Byron for, for Biebs' breakout. Uh, it's a yearly tradition unlike any other. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, Bowman Byron's a tremendous hockey player. Uh, injuries have been a bit of an issue. If he, it's, it's basically like, can he stay healthy? And he'll be, uh, he'll be a breakout in comparison to what he's done in the past. Obviously, Kale McCarr. Talked about his injury issues. If something like that happens and Bowen Byram steps in on that role, like, oh my God, he's going to explode. But while Kale McCarr is healthy and we expect Kale McCarr to be healthy for the majority of the season, I think it's going to be difficult for uh, Byram to have elite 
offensive numbers, but it is worth mentioning that like his ADP is, is fully baked into being relegated behind uh, Kale McCarr. His current ADP is 169.1, so you can just get him at the very end of your draft, throw him on uh, your bench or in your fourth D spot, and I think he's he's going to be fine there. Yeah, I think the the player to me that has is going to have more of an impact on, um, excuse me, uh, on Byram this year is De- Devontae's, right? Like, and how exactly is his ice time going to shake out? Is he going to continue to be the clear number two, at least at 5v5 um, as Makar? Because to me, that's the bigger stumbling block here. Like, Taves has proven that this team is good enough to be one of the few in the NHL that can support, you know, two top 20 fantasy blue liners. Um, but, you know, it's not going to happen with three of them, right? So he has slowly been eating the Taves' minutes. I think that's going to have to continue um, to happen going into this season. But again, at his current ADP, like it's it's more than baked in there. And I think it's just a term, uh, it's just a matter of uh, how much he breaks out um, this season and, and in terms of what he's able to offer. But he was still behind uh, Taves and, and power play time per game last season as well. So yeah, he's got to get over that hurdle. Um, you're not going to be, like I said, a top 20 defenseman if you're the third defenseman on, on your own hockey team. So, uh, you know, they do lean on all three of them a lot, but I, I think that pecking order has just got to change a little bit uh, if Byram's going to truly unlock his potential. Yeah, it's interesting to see that he played 21.53 per game last year. It's a nice uh, nice number for, you know, somebody that you're expecting to, to break out a little bit. Uh, almost certainly those two are going to be sharing time on the second power play unit. They're probably both going to be on it together. Uh, but that's a unit that probably isn't going to see a whole lot of ice time behind Kale McCarr, Nate McKinnon, Nico Randon on that top unit. So not a super valuable spot, but yeah, like I think that the, you know, the time on ice is certainly there. Um, It could, it could stand to go up a little bit. The talent is certainly there. And at that ADP, you know, you're certainly, I don't think going to be taking Bowen Byram with the last pick in your draft. Like you could right now. Yes. Yeah. And like it, like I said, a happy there, you know, it's relative risk because with how late he's going, there is some risk there, but yeah, you're happy to take it on at that ADP just because um, the surrounding cast, if he's able to work his way up is obviously fantastic. And the player seems to have uh, an, another level and an, another level of potential and talent to him that we just haven't seen yet. So I'm in. That is going to do it for season nine, episode five of the DFO fantasy podcast. We have one more positional preview episode to talk about and that it will be coming next week. We're going to break down the goalies. Then we're going to do more episodes. We're going to talk about as much as we can before the season starts. But until then, I'm your host, Brock Stegan. We got Dylan D. Burton with you, uh, with me. Beavis Bonnie, unfortunately, couldn't make it. And uh, we got Lions and we got Packers tomorrow. <laughs> go Lions, baby. Go Pack Go, baby. Peace.